What's up, everything? The NHL has gone contract crazy, and we're here to talk about every one of them, except the boring ones. Much more importantly, we'll be welcoming our first ever guest to the program, as Anthony Shandra of the Hockey Writers, Die by the Blade, and Bills Mafia joins us for a lengthy chat about the Buffalo Sabres and the Atlantic Division. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started, and let's go Jason Botterill? Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast, and we are coming to you from our cramped and frightening studios in a barrel hurtling from over the cliff from the bad part of Niagara Falls into the good part. And by that, of course, we mean from the Canadian part into the American part, because America's good and Canada's bad, which is a lesson we'll learn from our guests later on. (laughs) Uh, But before we introduce our guests and have a lengthy discussion uh, with Anthony about the uh, Atlantic Division. Uh, let's talk about a couple of crazy things that have happened in the NHL. Uh, Ian, answer me this question. Why do people think that um, the uh, it is important to sign average players to long contracts? Because you need average players. Everyone always <laughs> says it. You need average. Okay. And speaking of average, no one is more average than Tom Wilson. Uh, Tom Wilson, of course, the Stanley Cup winning hero of the uh, Washington Capitals, except precisely no one calls him that, (laughs) uh, signed a $31 million contract over six years, meaning that for the next six years, Years, the Washington Sa- Washington Sabers. We've talked a lot about the Buffalo Sabers tonight. The Washington Capitals will be paying him for six years for five million dollars. That's a lot of money. Is he worth it, Ian? No. And Moving on. Yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead. It's different eras. Uh, these players are were signed in different eras with different cap um, ceilings at this point. But he is making more, I think, by just a skosh, than Braden Shen. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I get Braden Shen was a good deal, a really nice deal moving forward as time went on. And we'll see what this Tom Wilson contract is. Not great. Not great. But, like, Not very good. I, I don't quite get it. It's, it's the first move I think the Capitals have made in their sort of cup hangover that you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, I was like, oh, no. No, 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 no. Whoopsies. Tom Wilson's a fine role player, but that's what he is, is a role player. Mm. And he's hit what? I think last year was his career high of 35 points. Yeah. Is he going to hit that next year? Is he going to increase it from there? I mean, how old is he at this point? Like 24, 25? I want to say. Mid-20s. He probably is what he is. There are some late bloomers. And again, it's not like he's a bad player, but a 35-point player at best at this point, Mm. I know the cap's going up, but... Not everyone who seems to be like a grinder agitator role becomes Brad Marchand. Exactly. Some are just going to stay. And, you know, when we say the role player role, 
everyone in St. Louis is going to think of Ryan Reeves. And he was overpaid this summer. And it's nothing against Ryan Reeves, who we all love. But the fact of the matter is, it's just too much. It's just literally too much money to pay that guy when you're a team that needs to sign Evgeny Kuznetsov long-term, Andre Barakovsky long-term, right? No, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, okay. Um... (laughs) That was a lot, a lot of confidence in that thing. <laughs> uh, I think um, Braden Holtby isn't locked down long, long term at the moment. Um, you just paid John Carlson a lot of money, which even that seemed kind of like okay, like he's a stalwart in your defensive core. You probably you're probably better off keeping him, but like, did you have to keep him or did you keep him because he helped you win a cup? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean. He had his best year. He was very, like, he was a very high-energy player. Mm, he's, he's a scumbag on the <laughs> ice. He's a he's a scoundrel, mm-hmm. uh, a ne'er-do-well. <laughs> oh, we're how stepping o- back from scumbag. <laughs> how often do well? Ne'er. <laughs> but um, that's a, a joke from Gary Goldman, famed wonderful comedian and former Boston College tight end Gary Goldman. So there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, and like 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 you mentioned, I mean, nothing really against Tom Wilson. But, um, yeah, I just I don't know how that looks in a yeah. couple of years. And I think that's the big question is how does it look three, four years from now? Exactly. It's and- not the end of the world for next year. Nobody ever signs a contract that's really bad for the. Well, I want to say nobody, but rarely do you <laughs> sign a contract unless you're Pierre Dorian that's really bad for like next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, how this will look in a couple of years is a bit of a question mark. You have more to say about Tom Wilson or well, you want well, to that's, move on? That's just the thing is that a front office should be the people that understand they just won a cup, but now they need to be defending that championship or they need to be trying to get back there in the next couple of years and they really think this is how you're going to do it it's not a breaking point you know sort of uh, signing but it is a step in the wrong direction it's one of those things where you really hope as a fan that maybe they start with their next signing or next trade or next big move really they start moving in a different direction a better direction a, a smarter direction um, because as a fan, I get it. I would, I wouldn't mind signing Tom Wilson to this because he's, you know, a guy whose name will be spoken with reverence around, you know, DC hockey fans. He's a great agitator. He's a great character guy, I'm sure. But it's just that's fine as a fan. As a front office, you gotta sort of make better decisions than that. Yeah, I make mean, wise I, decisions. I think that's a perfect summation of it. And and the other thing, the the final thought I want to say is like. If the Capitals had won the Cup four or five years ago like they were supposed to and had decided, okay, we're here, let's keep this team together, that would have made sense because four or five years ago they were like the elite team, you know, other than arguably the Penguins, in the Western Conference. That's not the case anymore. They kind of went through the back door on this Stanley Cup, and no discredit to them. It's an incredible accomplishment to ever win a Stanley Cup. But, like, their their core doesn't stack up, really, to Tampa or Toronto, you know, maybe to the Penguins now as they kind of age. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not – is it really better than even Boston? You know, it's like – I don't know. I mean, they beat those teams in the playoffs, obviously, mm-hmm. but, like – 
I don't know how they stack up long term. So it's like, I don't know if this is the right team to be like, okay, we won the cup with this team. Let's load up. I just don't. I know we've talked about that a little before, but I just thought I'd reiterate that. Um, A couple of smaller, well, smaller in terms of uh, length, but not necessarily in terms of significance signings. Uh, The Ottawa Senators made two... um, Mark Stone, who reportedly asked, well, not reportedly, did ask for $9 million uh, for his yearly arbitration contract, uh, settled, the arbitrator settled for $7.35 million. Uh, he was a 62-point player who somehow was a plus nine in Ottawa last year, which I would never look at. I don't usually look at plus minus, but when you're a plus nine on a really bad team and Cody Cece, who's the defender we're about to talk about, was minus 27, something's going on. So (laughs) you're a really good – I mean, Mark Stone's a really good player. Mm. Um, But the fact that he demanded $9 million and only signed for one year indicates to me that he's wanting out. Cody Cece similarly signed – for four point three million for one year, I don't know how long. I don't know what he demanded. You know, probably six, five mm-hmm. or six. But, um, you know, I don't want to step on our later conversation. We don't have to say much more than that because we talk about Ottawa at some length with our guest today. But, um, I ooh, it's bad there. It's real, real bad. Yeah, they what gotta. More, what more is there to say? I just gotta. I. You can't let them walk this summer. You got to yeah. trade both those guys by the deadline, if not, you know, much sooner than that. Yeah. Uh, really good deal, I think, signed by uh, George McPhee uh, is a one-year deal for William Carlson at $5.25 million. Um, it's a prove-it year. It's, 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 we're paying you really well for what you – well, not really well for what he did last year, but we're paying you very nicely mm-hmm. for a year. Show us that what you did last year wasn't a fluke, and he will not show them that. <laughs> so that is why it's a very it's a very bad deal, I think, on the part of his agent because the agent really should have fought to get term on this thing. And and you know, it, maybe maybe William Carlson really believes in himself and is betting on himself. I don't think he's ever going to come particularly close to forty goals again mm-hmm. in the NHL. But you know, I. I been wrong before about the Vegas Golden Knights. So, uh, you know, he was he, he played 82 games. He was a measly 43 and 35 with 78 points. He had 12 penalty minutes and was a plus 49 on the season. So, other than that, pretty pedestrian year. <laughs> but it's just, I just can't believe it happens again. I guess the the good side of the gamble for Carlson is if he proves it again, then he can just cash in. Oh, for sure. Huge. But I would not be confident that he will. I probably asked you this already on a different podcast, but what do you think he scores next year, goals-wise? What do you I think? would say 27 is like a really generous guess. I, I would, would put say the, so. I would put the over-under 22 and a half. Okay. And I'd yeah. probably take the under. <laughs> I was going to say, I might say like... Mm, I don't think he's going to fall off the planet. I give him 25. Look at like what what did what did uh, Brad Boys do the year after he scored 40? And I'm not even saying that William Carlson isn't better than Brad Boys, but I doubt Brad Boys just went to 13 the next year. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm sure there was a, a, a gradual decline, or even if it was a significant decline, it wasn't just a plateau. Mm-hmm. Um, but... 
Yeah, I just I, I don't know about that team. It's going to be fun when we get to the to that division to kind of talk about the uh, Knights and try and figure out what to expect. Because who knows, really? Who knows? Um, deal came through on the wire today. I don't know if you had a chance to see this, but Christian Dvorak, did you hear about this one? Yep. Signed a six-year extension valued for 4.45 annually. It's another one. Hmm, I don't know. I, he's he scored thirty seven points this year. The difference between him and uh, Wilson is that he's younger and has a little more of a of an upside, mm-hmm. theoretically. I would say, but man, I mean, I just don't like it. If you're not proven, proven, I just don't like anything over four years. If you're not really mm-hmm. solidly like established, you what's know? the deal again? Six for four point four five million. I mean, it's good dollar value. Yeah, that's a really good dollar value. If if he gets better than thirty seven points a year, I mean, yeah. that part of that's playing with, you know, the the Coyotes, and I haven't seen him play a lot, so I can't tell you how good or bad he is. I'm sure he's pretty decent. Mm. I really want to watch that team. And we'll talk about it when we get to them in the Pacific at some point. I want to really watch that team closely this year because every year the Coyotes manage to still kind of underperform what I think they should be, you know, at this point. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder why. And I see these players that are supposed to be pretty good, kind of a Dvorak, a few other guys, and they're doing all right, but not fantastic. And I just want to watch them play. I just want to see. I want to see what the problem is there. I feel like I'm missing something. Um, like you said, dollar value is still pretty is good. That their players are older than their GM. That's, I mean, that's true. You can't have a 28-year-old GM. You just can't. You can, but you just can't. <laughs> you I mean, can because they do, but you can't. I mean, what does he know? Should. What does he know about anything? Uh, Dvorak won 51% of face-offs last year, but 47 the year before that. So, you know. Getting better. The argument is he's improving, obviously, but... What if he's not? What if he sucks? <laughs> <laughs> so negative to start uh, this podcast. No, I, I mean that's that the dollar value probably makes that a fine signing, but still kind of iffy on six years for anyone that's not really proven. I think Christian Dvorak scores as many, if not more, goals than William Carlson this year. Oh, snap. Okay. And I'm betting nothing. That's on a that. fun little side prop that we'll have to figure something out. We'll remember Except that. I won't bet against you because I have. Zero faith in Bill Carlson. Um, Speaking of deals that are at good or acceptable dollar values but are too long, kind of the big signing of the week, John Gibson, the goalie for the Anaheim Ducks, uh, eight years, $6.4 million per season at a total value of $51.2 million. Uh, he went 31-18-7 last year with a save percentage of 9.26 and a goals against average of 243. Uh, both really phenomenal numbers, um, especially the save percentage. But he's had a lot of injuries in the past, and this was his first kind of proven, proven season. Um, and it's a little reminiscent of when we signed Allen, maybe, but just bucking up a little more in the mm. fact that, you know, he hasn't kind of really proven it long term. I was listening to Steve Dangle today, um, and uh, they talk on there about, which was depressing for me as a Blues fan, it's like, the, the the research all shows that by, you know, 25 or 26, you know what a goalie is. And I was like, yeah. 
We do. You sure do. For for all the Blues <laughs> fans out there that are clinging to hope with Jake Allen, I I I love you all. I don't get it. Cling on, I say. I say cling C- on. Cling on. Not cling off, cling on. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that fellow with the head in Star Trek. You know, that guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the Gibson signing? Just too long for me. The money seems fine because it seems like goalies are getting paid more and more. Caps mm-hmm. going up, goalies get paid more. It just, I mean, eight years, eight years for a goalie because goalies are just so streaky. I mean, we saw last year a whole different team, but Carey Price is the best goalie in the league generally over mm-hmm. his career. He's expected to be at least, yeah. yeah. Had a really bad year last year. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't make a contract, but I don't think this means, you know, I'm just thinking that John Gibson isn't necessarily bulletproof for eight years yeah i mean that's the thing it's he's was well, he's 25 so this will take him to 33 mm-hmm. you know goalies have a little longer shelf life theoretically um as yeah, long, should as, be able to play as, long as the that. flexibility stays there but it's just it's like you said it's such a crapshoot if it's not a known mm-hmm. commodity and and i just i mean i know it's the nature of the nhl to pay guys before they're proven but like Here's the thing with this one. I don't see this becoming a, a contract ever where you're like, oh, that's a steal. At you very know? best, like, this I think is at like, the yeah. very best, this is an, an okay contract. Because I don't think. lives up to it and you're yeah, like, okay, that's I don't fine. think his ceiling is higher than what he did last year. And you're paying him maybe fair market value for what he did last year, maybe a little more than that. So uh, it's just, it's really tough to value goalie contracts. But if I was going to be like, hey, Name the five goalies you'd give an eight-year contract to in the NHL right now. He would not be on that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I guess, kind of where my drawback yeah, is. Me um, too. My pushback. But overall, I think it's a you know it's it's a fine signing. Um, I think that's the end of signings. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little league news. Um, the. Uh, legendary Blackhawks player Stan Makita passed away this week. Uh, I have admitted before my kind of naivete on hockey history a little bit, especially Blackhawks hockey history, Uh, but we um, send our condolences to Blackhawks Nation, which is not something we do very often, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's, you know, he's a legend. Um, Vladimir Tarasenko uh, has resumed skating after shoulder surgery. Um... He is back. His he's his shoulder good, <laughs> and he touched metal cup. Uh, no, he he was at the PGA opening yesterday for the PGA Tour PGA Championship at Bell Reve this week. Uh, he looked great. He's sporting a beard now. Will be fun to see if that sticks around during the season. I as, as long as it stays where it is and doesn't become Patrick Wine, I fine. Mm-hmm. But. Don't go any further. Don't put that on your face. Uh, don't put it. Don't ever. Put Near that your on face, face, around your face. Exactly. <laughs> Up upon your face. Don't do it. Don't put um, it on, yeah. But yeah, I mean Tarasenko. I don't. I don't think any of us have had major concerns about his health. But it's good to see him back on the ice and saying he feels strong. And it, it, interesting to see if that held him back a little last year. Um, you know, there was that weird cryptic comic comment. Obviously, partially because of the broken English in his, uh, I think it was the Players Tribune article he wrote, where it was like, "Oh, I've had nagging injury for some time, but that not problem right now." And it's like, 
but it was like weirdly ominous of like, oh, that will but be will problems, be. <laughs> not problem now. And it's like, okay, Vlad, this is comforting. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's good news. It's, yeah. it's good news. Um, the winter, not the winter classic jerseys. Who would ever suspect that they'd look like that? The the Blues <laughs> third jerseys are going to be announced at the Icebreaker event, event which I think is August 26th. Yeah, it's a Sunday. I don't, at Ballpark Village. I think they normally used to do weekdays. Yeah, that's a little weird. Uh, but we're possibly going to try and go down to that. Nothing has been set in stone yet. We'll have a tent. We'll have a booth set up. Yeah. We'll, Come we'll be us. on stage. Autographs. We'll pull... The blanket off the jersey. Oh, yeah. Uh, The Two Guys One Third Jersey Podcast. Steven will pull the blanket off. It will be me in the jersey. (laughs) It's going to be the 90s red jersey. You're going to love it. I would still kind of freak out, (laughs) like in a positive way, if it was that. If they showed that red jersey, it would be like a weird split in that crowd for sure. It would be like crazy cheers and then like a. like (gasps) pure and. Ex- ex- ecstasy. Like they executed someone on stage. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> no. Uh, so before we get to our guests, which we can do, uh, one last little conversation I thought it'd be fun to have because, again, they had this discussion on Steve Dangle. I don't know if you've heard uh, that Wayne Gretzky has been brought on as the global ambassador for the Beijing Kunlun Red Star, which is the KHL team in Beijing. How do you feel about that? Because apparently, because of Taki, some people are really upset. Uh, I feel nothing. (laughs) I think it's cool that they have a KHL team in China. Uh I think that's kind of neat. Is that that must be where that must be the stadium or something where LA and Vancouver played each other? Yeah, I guess I'm assuming. so. I think they're doing that again this year. Bruins and somebody okay. are going over. Can you imagine? Like that'd be like watching an Australian rules football game, soccer football game here in America. Oh, like yeah. if you're a Chinese fan uh-huh. or whatever, going to a hockey game, you just gotta be like, what? Is even happening? What am I even watching? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's like trying to figure out cricket. Like, do I like this? I guess. Like, I mean, the nice thing is, like, most almost all sports in the world, it's got the same basic symmetry. That's of, like, true. Go and to one side, try to score. But that is true. That's all that you're gonna understand. That'd be. I'd be really interested to see if they can grow the sport in other countries. You know, other non-traditional yeah. countries. So, I mean, the the upshot of this is obviously the 2022 Olympics. I think are back in Beijing. Yep. Does the 22? Yeah, for the Winter Olympics. For the next Winter Olympics, they're back in Beijing. Um, So uh, that is what, I mean, the NHL is going to be there. If you think they're not. (laughs) Um, If you think the IIOC or the uh, IIHF, whichever, is going to be able to keep them. I mean, I guess they could, but they're ultimately not going to. I feel like Gary Bettman's, you know, New Yorker man, he's got stuff on these guys. Oh, for he's got sure. some weird mob pictures on a thousand these guys. Like you're gonna let the NHL be in this? <laughs> you're gonna do it, or mm. I'm gonna sick my labradoodles on you. Um, <laughs> I assume he has labradoodles. I know he has some dogs that he loves. I'm, he's just the weird thing about Gary Bettman is that like behind the scenes, I think he's just like a pleasant 
family man and i don't want it to be exactly (laughs) uh but yeah so i mean they played their weird game with korea which was despicable and stupid and they (laughs) claim they want to grow the game internationally and then don't go to korea but they're gonna go to china so whatever i don't care uh i want i mean i want them to succeed right Mm -hmm. ultimately great i i hope that you know I hope that the game grows internationally. That's an awesome pursuit. I wish they'd be a little more consistent in pursuing it. Uh, This was also the news that led the Dangle podcast to discussing at length whether Wayne Gretzky, who will be 61 when these Olympics happen, could be the best player on the ice for a Chinese Olympic hockey team, which thankfully, for those that don't listen to the Steve Dangle podcast, there are three people, so the debates are always two-on-one, usually. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, the two were on the side of reason, saying that even though China probably doesn't have a great Olympic team, and even though Wayne Gretzky is the greatest player of all time, 61-year-old Wayne Gretzky could not keep up with 20-year-old yeah. hockey players. What? It was yeah. the weirdest thing that Jesse Blake of the show was, like, adamant of, like, oh, no. And they, for one thing, they kept saying it was 47, which he's obviously not, but it was just bizarre. It was very strange. I Wow. Like, yeah. and, and as they pointed out on there, like, Wayne Gretzky's not the, like, Jerome, or not Jerome Ginley, he's not the Yaramir Yager where it's like, I can't let the game die. Like, he hasn't mm. picked up a hockey stick in a thousand years. He looked, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad he was there, but he looked so disinterested in the Legends game at the Winter Classic. And maybe that's because he does a thousand a year, and mm-hmm. who cares? But, like, he didn't look like he was raring to play hockey again. It was a weird, it was a weird debate. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a light news week, as is expected mm-hmm. in the NHL in the dead of summer. Uh, training camp is like six weeks away. Preseason is like six weeks away. Yeah. So that's to be excited about. Uh, but what you want to be excited about right now um, is that we are we had uh, our friend Anthony Chandra from thehockeywriters.com from a bunch of other places that we repeat twice in the body of the interview, so I won't uh, overwhelm you with them now. But he was kind enough to give us uh, – more than an hour of his time. We wanted it. We asked for an hour, but we took two. Because if you give the two guys no cup podcast an inch, we'll take the L, which is an expression people used when Lincoln was president and no more recently. You're getting a history lesson. Um, but in any case, uh, we were very, we're very thankful and thrilled to have had Anthony yeah. on. It was a really fun discussion. Um, so we are going to play that for you now. And then we'll talk about it. Uh, No, uh, thank you to Anthony for coming on. Enjoy the discussion. All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, We are glad, pleased, excited, ecstatic to be joined by our uh, very first ever guest on the Two Guys No Cup podcast. Uh, and I, I've worked very hard to say his name per- correctly. I think it is Anthony Chandra. Am I am I correct? Is, you, get, you nailed it. We worked it. we worked First hard time. on that yesterday, so I'm <laughs> glad. Uh, Anthony is a contributor for thehockeywriters.com, which is where I first met you. Uh, he is also 
uh, writer at Die by the Wave, which is the SB Nation blog site for uh, Buffalo Sabres fans. And if you're a football fan, he's got you covered there, too, with uh, the Bills Mafia blog. Uh, you can find him on Chandra Sports. That's uh, at S-C-I-A-N-D-R-A Sports on Twitter. And I believe you passed up a, a Bills preseason game or part of it to be with us here tonight. So uh, people, <laughs> right. people should take a moment to go follow you as this may be your only opportunity to see Nathan Peterman look good in a Bills jersey. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and we were commenting a little before we started recording about how it feels like these are the two teams um, that kind of had the most momentous offseason other than the one team that just signed John Tavares and did nothing else that steals <laughs> all the headlines. But uh, before we get started with that, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited to uh, talk a little Sabres, a little Blues, and uh, talk about the Atlantic Division. All right. Well, we're excited to have you. Uh, why don't we do? Why don't we just launch in with kind of the Sabres and the Blues because I think they've had very intertwined off seasons on top of the pretty significant Ryan O'Reilly trade that I'm sure we'll talk about at length. Uh, we kind of accidentally swapped goalies as well, I think. Uh, and, um, yeah, we just had to have really related off seasons, I feel like. Uh, but why don't we start with the news that's most recent, uh, which is the Jeff Skinner trade that took place yeah. earlier this week, late last week. Time runs together in the hockey offseason. <laughs> um, but I believe you gave up uh, Cliff Poo, who was a third-round pick, uh, two two years ago, Ian's trying not to laugh at that name. I'm very mature, and will never laugh at such a name. Uh, and then a, a package of picks that includes next year's second and a third and a sixth from 2020. Does that sound right to you as the Sabers expert? That sounds right to me. Yeah. Okay, and you got in return uh, Jeff Skinner, who of course is a very gifted young winger uh, in, I believe, the final year of his contract. Uh, how do you feel about that deal? I think um, if you had told me before the offseason started that Jeff Skinner would end up in Buffalo uh, by his choice, I think we probably would have been surprised. But I think it shows how big an offseason you all have had. So how do you feel about that deal? Yeah, you know, it's funny uh, to, to a lot of Sabres fans, too, that uh, it came as a surprise for sure a little bit because, you know, you heard the rumors that, some you know some people are saying it's debunked and other other guys say it's the case that uh, he was presented with offers to you know teams like LA uh, that he shot down and and accepted the you know Buffalo which is I guess not not to say bizarre but it's it's not something you hear every day that you know someone's really excited to come here mm -hmm. and I think it uh, speaks volumes to the young talent we have and the fact that he can see himself as part of the uh, future core. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I know there were rumors at draft day, you know, and these are always blown out of proportion, but uh, that even the Blues GM was seen talking with Skinner's agent. So, yeah, I'm sure he was a, a very hotly pursued commodity, whether all those talks got to him rejecting it uh, or not. But um, how do you feel about it, Ian? I think it's amazing for him. Um I'm excited for, I don't even know if this is a line they would use. I think they would try it, I'm sure, but a Skinner-Eichel pairing? Just yeah. sounds bonkers good. Um, I'm excited. That's a, I don't know, that's a player, especially for a left wing up there, that you just don't see going to Buffalo, like we mentioned. Um, 
I'm I don't know. I'm just excited. I think the whole team top to bottom looks actually a lot more competitive than I ever thought they were going to say, I don't know, in May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope you'll forgive us, Anthony, if we talk freely about as fellow hockey sufferers about how our two teams have been in the past few years. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think Buffalo just finished at the bottom of the league or bottom of their division, at least last year, and has just had a gigantic offseason that we're going to talk about. What uh, what role do you, uh, Anthony, see uh, Skinner filling? Do you think he'll be on the first line with Eichel? So it's interesting uh, that Ian brought that up. It's been kind of a uh, hotly debated topic a little bit uh, amongst fans, especially on Twitter. Um, There's two schools of thought, right? Uh, Skinner and Eichel, like Ian said, is a scary good combination. I mean, that, you know, I mean, your, your, your eyes roll to the back of your head thinking about all the scoring opportunities, but um, something that's been brought up is the probably second best left winger on the team right now is Connor Sheary, who we also, you know, uh, got this off season uh, in a trade with Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, and, and Sheary's whole bag, so to speak, is he produces with an all-star center, right? And Jeff Skinner, I mean, he spent half the year last year with Derek Ryan, and he was still able to produce. So a lot of people, and myself included, are actually more leaning toward uh, Skinner pairing up with Casey Middlestat on the second line to give him a little bit more of an offensive creator uh, mm-hmm. in his rookie season, and then uh, putting Sheary with Eichel and, and letting Jack be that elite center who can set him up and elevate him to that level we saw two years ago when he was uh, Sidney Crosby's left wing. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think uh, one of the things we're talking about as Blues fans a lot this offseason is potential line combinations. And it's nice to have too many options rather than too few, um, which I think is where kind of both of our teams were before last season. Um, So you mentioned Sheary. That's another deal you guys made, getting him and Matt Hunwick uh, from Pittsburgh for a fourth-round pick, a conditional mm-hmm. fourth-round pick. What was that trade? Yeah, I mean, I know it was it was couched by, you know, hockey media that are more looking at the Pittsburgh side of it as a salary dump, but I don't really feel that Connor <laughs> Sheary is, like, just that level of player. Do you feel that way, or do you think he's well, going to contribute? The, the salary dump part, actually, I think was as much about Hunwick as it was about Sheary. Okay. Hunwick was not going to crack their top six, and I think he's making – somewhere in the neighborhood of two and a half, right? Mm. Which isn't a lot, but for a team like Pittsburgh, who's, you know, trying to free up as much as they can, they've got big money tied up elsewhere. Yeah. Every little bit helps. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Um, Shiri had a down year, but still him for a fourth round pick is bananas. And it's, it's, it's really a tribute to just how well Jason Botterill has done this off season. He hasn't made a single deal that has left Sabres fans saying like, oh man, we got fleeced. I mean, the O'Reilly trade, which I'm sure we'll get to, is as close as you got to discord among fans like oh that might not have been great mm-hmm. but i mean you look at the sheary deal signing hutton which was huge because he had a lot of suitors you look at uh skinner he's just he fulfilled his promise uh during locker cleanout day his press conference he was adamant about flipping this roster shaking up the core changing the culture in what has been rumored to be a very toxic locker room uh, mm-hmm. over the last few years and that happens when you finish the last you know three out of the last four years you know, it's, or four out of the last five, whatever it's been, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he's he's done as well as anyone could have hoped, and I actually think Sabres fans are, are really excited, and they believe the turnaround is maybe a little closer than uh, we originally anticipated. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. This is a, just a question out of my own ignorance. How long has Botterell been your GM? Because I know he's kind of younger for GM. 
Yeah, so Botterill came aboard right before the draft last year. Okay. So he, he was kind of off-season on the fly a little bit last season. Um, he, was a, he was a late hire because Pittsburgh went so deep in the playoffs, and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously uh, he didn't come over until right before the Stanley Cup final, actually. Uh, so he was a little late addition. So this is really his first full hands-on off-season in a lot of Sabres fans' opinions. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's been fantastic. That's got to be exciting for. to have a GM. And, and like you mentioned, putting putting yourself in that position – and I think Doug Armstrong, Ian, you can comment on this, did the same thing um, a little bit this season, where when you when you as a GM come out and say, hey, we need big changes, mm-hmm. it puts yourself in a dangerous position with the fan base because if you under-deliver on that, you're in a lot of hot water, at least with the fans, if not with ownership. Um, yeah, Ian, how do you feel about all that? Yeah, I mean, here in St. Louis with Doug Armstrong, he looked absolutely dejected after losing to uh what was it the hawks the like hawks their first the game second to last game yeah or third to last game man yeah it was it was gift worthy it's a, one of my favorite hockey gifts ever he just spins his chair around stands up and walks towards the uh, box door because he's just <laughs> over it um and yeah you when you see something like that when you hear you know gm say this sort of thing you want to see them put in the legwork to make the team better. And it can't just be, and Stephen and I have talked about this before, and actually I think Botterill's done a really good job in Buffalo of this, it can't just be um, bodies. You can't just be shuffling bodies and going, well, that's, here's change. Right. This is just change for you. It's different names. You know, that's, that's what I quote-unquote promised. It's got to be a direction. And I think the Blues gained a direction with O'Reilly, with um, even Bozak and Perron a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, with Maroon. And I think uh, most certainly Buffalo's completely 180 to my mind. That team last year, I was like, I'm pretty sure they're going to finish bottom five again. And then if they hadn't made any changes to this year, it would have been easy picking to say bottom five again. Mm-hmm, but I right. think, in all honesty, I think they've done the best in the Atlantic division in terms of turning it around. I could see that team pushing for a wild card spot like easily over say a Detroit or a Montreal or we'll get to the flaming ball yeah, crap I've got, that I've is got Ottawa. Some, I've got some thoughts on that when we get to the Atlantic. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's I, what, I won't I won't spoil that early, but uh what I will say is and maybe I'm kind of fabricating this problem in my head a little bit, but when you do that, you know, also as a GM who you know promising that big of a change, I, I almost feel like you all you just gave thirty other GMs leverage over you because they know you need to make a splash, right? They know you need to do something. Mm-hmm. So it almost it almost feels like you're adding a little desperation to yourself. But uh, again, Bader will prove that thought wrong, and that was my main concern when he did that. It's like shit. Now everybody knows, <laughs> you know, everybody knows we're trying to flip yeah. this thing. Yeah, as if it wasn't blatantly obvious on the last place performance. But yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned that because maybe that's why Bader and Doug Armstrong became such good trade partners this summer because they were both in that position where it was pretty obvious that change needed to happen the blues had been you know staggering at best since uh the Bacchus era ended since that western conference final trip and had missed the playoffs for the first time in six years and so yeah, they were public about their change. So they, the two teams met up for the Ryan O'Reilly trade, which I guess we can just jump into now. Um, we've obviously given a lot of our thoughts in the couple of episodes we've had since then. But just to reiterate the uh, 
people and picks that are moving. Uh, the Blues got just Ryan O'Reilly, and the uh, Sabres got in return Patrick Berglund uh, and Vladimir Sabotka from the Blues roster, while Tage Thompson also on the roster, but more of a prospect. Uh, and then a conditional first-round pick in 2019, the only condition being that it's top 10 protected and then a second round pick in 2021 um and i think you kind of alluded to it earlier with there being a little um a little pushback uh you know a little dissension as if you'll if you will amongst uh sabers fans after this deal and i think if i'm being totally honest uh well i've told the story on here before but i was i'd given up on on uh you know free agency day and i was cooking and cleaning the kitchen when this trade went through and i probably 20 minutes after it went down i looked at my phone and it had just exploded with texts from ian and other friends and tweets to our account and and so you know in the initial kind of shock and and elation after a big move it was kind of like oh we fleeced uh buffalo and then the more i thought about it i really i really think it's a very even deal i mean i think the argument the only argument you can maybe make um, is that, you know, Botterill did not get one of the Blues' top two prospects. But beyond that, I think it's a really good deal. But I don't want to step on your toes, Anthony. What do you think about it? Well, you know, from from a Blues' perspective, it, it's good to hear what you guys have to say, you know. And, uh, and initially, I think a lot of people kind of had their, you know, hearts set a little bit on one of uh, Thomas or Cryu, right? Mm-hmm. And when that didn't happen, there was a little bit of, Oh man, you know, we didn't we didn't get one of those top two guys like you said, but if you're looking at what the Sabres are, right, and a team w- whose bottom six was in completely anemic on offense. Mm-hmm. They could not do a thing. If Jack Eichel wasn't on the ice or San- or Ryan O'Reilly wasn't on the ice, we weren't scoring. It wasn't happening. Yeah. So to to get a guy like Sabotka who, you know, overpaid but still uh, I guess has some offensive upside, right? Berglund, who mm-hmm. is a, apparently a pretty big leadership um, commodity from, from everything I've heard from uh, Blues fans, which the Sabres were in desperate need of. They were a ship without a captain last year, literally and figuratively. <laughs> right. we, we, had, we had four alternate captains and no captain, and it was obvious. Yeah. Um, and, and Tage Thompson is a really exciting prospect, and we were kind of a, a little bit weak on the wing in the prospect pool, and I actually think he's going to compete for a roster spot, if if not, you know, a better than 50-50 chance that he'll get one. Um, so I think everyone's pretty excited. The You know, it's going to probably be a late first round or, the, or, or at least middle. I think the Blues are going to be pretty good. I see them getting back to the playoffs. So it, I almost see that as, okay, if Buffalo is in the wild card conversation at the trade deadline, maybe that's a trade piece. You know what I mean? Because now we have three first round picks next year. Yeah. And we didn't – you know, we've got our own. We've got San Jose's conditional, you know, lottery protected one for the Kane trade. And now we have St. Louis. Right. So I think what people lost sight of a little bit was, hey, this is not a one year turnaround from how bad we were last year. It, he wasn't going to get it done in one off season, or even maybe two. Right. And he's done a way better job than anyone could hope for. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. Yeah. He being Botterill. Um but I, I like, you know, people, their, their whole thing was I'm sick of trading talent for futures. But 
Ryan O'Reilly was he was good. He was fine. He he wasn't seven point five million dollars fine. Mm-hmm. Not here. And you can say he didn't have a supporting cast around him on his. You know he shit when Jordan Nolan is at your left wing at any point in the season. That's that's pretty <laughs> awful. You know what I mean? Hey, we got Especially that guy for, now too. For, <laughs> oh jeez, I forgot about that. Sorry, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, for a top six center, you need to have top six players around him, and we didn't. You yeah. know, not the whole year. Um, so. I, I give him a little slack in that regard, but when you're getting paid seven and a half million dollars on what was a seven year deal, you know, at, at the beginning, you, you need to offer more than just being the best face off guy in the NHL history. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, it needs to be more than that. And I hope he does it in St. Louis. I believe he can. I actually think now that he's not going to be the center of attention or one of the center of, centers of attention, he may actually thrive a little more. Um, but for what we got and for where, Buffalo is right now as a team I don't know how you don't like that and I think it's I think it's an even move and I think it benefited both teams in a big way yeah I agree sorry for rambling that was a long one no you know absolutely I mean this is worthy of a lot of discussion and I think it's kind of perfect because you know Blues fans as I'm sure you've probably run across are pretty we're pretty thrilled to get rid of both Sabok and Bergwin in one move and I think um you know as you kind of alluded to I think the the counterpoint there is that Ryan O'Reilly was kind of it was time for him to move on from Buffalo. So, you know, both fan bases are getting rid of kind of an eyesore, if you will. Um, and and I think you know we've tried to push back against Blues fans and say, hey, Saboka and Bergwind are going to be far from useless. You know, on the Sabers, it's not similar to the Sheary thing. It's not really a salary dump. You know, for for your team, and I think they bring a lot. You know, as you said, on the on the third line, both guys could play second line minutes or fourth line minutes. You know, as 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 the lines evolve and and prospects develop and everything, I just think it was it was the right bodies to move. Just speaking mm-hmm. about the about the pro players, it was right. the right pieces to move from both teams. Um, it turned out to be salary neutral but you know you guys get two players for the price of one literally speaking on shorter term which was the key too yeah yeah mm-hmm. and allows you to have a lot more flexibility there and then yeah a tage thompson is only you know the the third or fourth depending on who you ask best prospect was only the third or fourth best prospect in the boys system because they had two really good prospects at the time right. he could have probably been the best prospect in a lot of systems um, he's big, physical, uh, has really nice hands for a big mm-hmm. guy, and and he's a shoot first sort of guy. I think he's going to grow into that. Yeah. I really do. You could kind of see it here in St. Louis, but I mean, it was his first, it was his first year pro. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see people and Blues fans being like, "Well, kind of revisionist history," saying, "Well, you know, he's kind of already like a bust." You know, like no, like not at all. This guy played under 50 NHL games and mm-hmm. it took a little a little to get going but the whole team had a really rough m- middle to the very end of the yeah. season so right. I really don't think we've seen even close to the best of Tage Thompson yeah. I think you put him with a really good playmaking center and that guy's going to put up some goals mm-hmm. and, one the, and one of the rumors was he was he's a, a long-term complimentary piece to one of Eichel or Middlestead not exactly in the next year or two but you know yeah. Two years down the line. I think that's perfect. And we saw there was a really well-discussed play at the time uh, where Thompson basically stood in the same spot 
Uh, and as the puck cycled around the offensive zone, took three, was it three or four consecutive mm-hmm. one-timers and just held his ground and shot hard. And, and yes, none of them went in. But it, at the time, and, and like Ian said, there's some always revisionist history when you want a trade to look good for your team. But at the time, mm-hmm. Blues fans were really excited about that because we didn't have, you know, Time will tell whether we even now have players who are willing to just take <laughs> st- step up to the plate and shoot the puck to to merge two sports analogies. Um, so yeah, Ian, do you have any more comments on on the O'Reilly deal? Or um, I I don't know. I mean, I really think they're gonna like Berglund too. Like hmm. he's kind of a quiet leader. It's weird to say he's a veteran. It's been ten years in the NHL. Yeah, I still he's remember a young, him being youngish a rookie veteran. But yeah, yeah, and I think kind of like Anthony was saying. They needed sort of strength or, you know, stability on the bottom six. Mm-hmm. And Blues fans will know that we have, like, just a glut of third or fourth <laughs> liner people that we were trying to shove into every square hole yeah. with a round circle. And it was, and Berglund and Saboka just being a little bit older, I think we're sort of time to go, you know, a little bit older. Uh, mm-hmm. We wanted to sort of try different things out down there. But I don't think they're useless players at all. And I think especially on a younger team, mm-hmm. I think they're going to fit in really well. Saboka, Saboka, if 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 uh, you're if Phil Housley, that's your coach, right? That's, I'm yes. saying the right name. <laughs> what, I, I'm always I just have a constant fear that I'm going to say the wrong name and people won't correct me, or that people will correct me. Either way, it's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he I, if he can convince Saboka to play uh, center, which he's been reticent to do or Mike Yo has been reticent to deploy him there. Uh, Saboka's actually a really, really good faceoff man or was mm-hmm. in his first in the NHL. So even though you've given up, you know, O'Reilly, who's obviously elite, elite, elite in that category, you're getting someone back who can potentially, you know, not fill that void totally and certainly not in a first line capacity, but still is going to be able to uh, win you a tough draw yeah. in a critical moment if you need him to. So, they're just complementary skills and complementary players both in a lot of ways. Defensively sound. Mm-hmm. They both play PK. I mean, yeah. these are you're getting kind of the nitty gritty, but I mean, that's that's to argue against them being useless because that's pretty much what gets thrown around around here. Yeah, right? and Blues fans will, and and I'm sure this is true of Buffalo fans as well. I'm sure it's not just us. <laughs> but, you know, we we pick scapegoats very oh yeah quickly. And O'Reilly is a great example in Buffalo of, of a scapegoat. He didn't do anything wrong, and I think that that's something that I want I want you know Blues fans to be aware of. It, it he he didn't he wore out his welcome based on the expectations that fans put on him mm-hmm. not realizing what he was when he was signed right everyone was like oh there's our future captain he's a great leader oh you know that stuff in colorado was overblown about him kind of losing interest mm-hmm. you know not, not not being happy about not being the captain right well, then in Buffalo, he wasn't the captain still, right? Yeah. And, you know, it, it, he even admitted he lost love of the game, right? And so everyone pointed the finger like, oh, my God, he's that guy from Colorado. It's like, well, okay, he wasn't <laughs> taking shifts off, though. I mean, maybe a yeah. little, maybe, you know, he deals with stuff off the ice. That's possible. But for what for what he was, right, and what he's always been throughout his career, it was tough to be mad at him. You should be mad at Tim Murray for, you know what I mean? trading so much for him number one and giving him such a long-term huge deal which at the time everyone was thrilled with but you know you get blinded by drafting jack eichel and then the same day you get ryan o'reilly everything's great until it's not yeah so uh, blues fans are gonna love him um if he can stay if he can do what he did in buffalo and and kind of 
benefit a little more actually in St. Louis from a better supporting cast. I think you guys are really going to like him. He just wasn't a fit here anymore. Yeah. But that doesn't make him not a great player. And like you said, I think I think he's the kind of guy where stepping out of the spotlight can probably really benefit him. And I know, you know, and this is with due respect to the Sabres, who, I, as we've said, I think are well-positioned. They were a 62-point team last year. And right. I know athletes aren't supposed to say these things, but, like, I think the the furor the the outrage and it wasn't just out of buffalo you know it was a it was a pretty national story at the time but the anger over those love of the game comments i just think it's kind of preposterous to expect anyone to be really excited you know this this sports wide idea that players should give 110% every night even yeah, if they that, that was that was a pot that had boiled over though the biggest mm-hmm. criticism people were running into with him all year was after every game, he just sounded like you killed his dog. Like it, it, he was <laughs> never, he was never like, "Oh, we're gonna hunker down, we're gonna get this right." He always just like, "I was bad. I'm sorry. I'll fix it." Yeah, it's like this is unacceptable of me. And like you know, he was just beating the crap out of himself after every game. It's like Jesus. Like this is a, this is a <laughs> you know what I mean? And so again, Botterill said, "I got to shake up this core," and he said he was going to, and he need, quite frankly, he needed to light a fire under everyone's ass, and when you get rid of someone like Ryan O'Reilly, that shows everyone you're not safe if you're not, you know what I mean, doing your job. Mm-hmm. And again, not to say he wasn't doing his job, but he wasn't, the biggest thing here is the culture shift, right? You, you need you need a positive attitude. The locker room has been toxic from every report coming out, right? And, and he wasn't the solution. He wasn't necessarily the, necessarily the problem, but at seven and a half million dollars, he had to be part of the solution, and he just wasn't. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect explanation, as nearly as as we can tell on the outside. I thought there was one more thing I wanted to say, but I forgot it. Ian, do you? Oh, have- I'm sorry. Well, there's no. two. No, there's two more. Additions. Well, yeah, yeah. We can move on if to, we want to move to on. the other moves. Um, so obviously, kind of a goaltender swap. Uh, I think you all improved and we kind of took a step back but we'll talk about chad johnson i don't think he'll be bad here but we'll, we'll talk about that uh, but <laughs> no. let's start with um no backup is ever bad here Stephen. <laughs> that's true uh let's start with uh carter hutton who blues fans absolutely fell in love with and kind of talk stepping off the shoulders of that last conversation you want to talk about a guy who's a locker room presence carter hutton's oh, absolutely yeah. the guy you're looking for really funny he did a series of of interviews with other players for the Blues website that were just hilarious all the time. Um, and, yeah, I mean, obviously he's he's coming off a year that was an absolute career year. He led all NHL goalies, you know, with a relatively limited number of games played, but still uh, enough to qualify. He led all NHL goalies in, in goals against and save percentage, I believe, um, carried the Blues pretty much – on his back for a, <laughs> the better part of any wins they got during the last four or so months of the season. Had an injury for a while there, but came back after that, I think, and still mm-hmm. performed really well. Um, you signed him for uh, three years, $8.25 million, which is just under $3 million annually. And you also have a goalie uh, coming up, Linus Allmark, is that correct? Yep. Um, who I would guess uh sabers fans expect to be the goalie of the future um so i think i think from our perspective and we'll get you know yours in a second i think hutton's the perfect 
guy for your situation because he'll be very capable of kind of, you know, as I see it, and you can correct me if you see it differently, but kind of taking the the lion's share, being the starter, uh, so to speak, this year, and then kind of maybe doing a more even time split next year and then sort of taking a back seat if Allmark is really ready to go in the third year of that deal. And personality-wise, he's the perfect person to do that. So how do you feel about Carter Hutton coming over to Buffalo? Yeah, I think uh, everyone was pretty unanimously thrilled, especially because we signed him to a uh, less expensive contract than Cam Ward got signed to, which is just absurd. Oh, boy. I hadn't thought about it in that perspective, but yikes. Crazy, right? (laughs) You know. I think he was looking for a place where he would be the starter, or at least, in my opinion, he'll be that 1A, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Buffalo was definitely that. Uh, so the interesting thing about Allmark is there, there's a big split on him, and I'm I'm of the group that I think he has what it takes to be a long-term starter. Um, he had a really, really bad playoff series in the AHL last year, mm-hmm. uh, the Calder Cup playoffs, and people soured on him after three bad games, which was kind of bananas, but um, I think a lot of people are getting blinded by a a young man named Uko Pekka Lukanen, who is our top goaltending prospect. That's a wonderful goalie name. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, He's in the OHL. He actually uh, is going to be joining Sudbury uh, this year. He was in Finland. Um, Okay. And I think, you know, with the addition of him, people were kind of like, oh, well, he's got a way higher ceiling than Allmark, so it's almost like both of these guys are, are kind of a bridge to Lukanen and, and it's so hard to gauge what a 19 year old goalie is going to end up being, but yeah. from everything, you know, every report and just watching play, I mean, he, he really is something, but I, I really like Linus Allmark. I think Hutton is perfect for two reasons for the Sabres, right? He gives you that three year gap of, okay, if Allmark doesn't work out, that experiment will be over in two years, in my opinion. And then you get a year of Hutton and Lukanen together and what a great guy to learn from, right? Like you said, a locker room presence, um, you know, is a professional the right way, so mm-hmm. to speak. And I think a kid coming, you know, a European kid who, who's going to be kind of adjusting in the NHL, goalies, I like to say goalies take longer to cook. Um, That's so very true, yeah. I, I think it's twofold. So if Allmark works out, great, you know what I mean? Then then you've got him and Luke in, which is a great problem to have. But if he doesn't, you still have Hutton for that third year. Um, to, to aid in the transition because Lukanen is probably two, three years away at this point. So um, I haven't given up on Allmark. I, I don't think, I think a majority of fans haven't either. And uh, it, it's a win-win with Hutton. I mean, e- either way, whether Allmark succeeds or not, he's an awesome 1A for this year. And if in 1B duties, Allmark shows that he's capable, then he, you know, maybe he becomes 1A next year and Hutton, you know, remains that guiding force who's still eating up, you know, 30, 35 starts. Yeah, I think that's, that's next year. I think he'll get between 55 and 60, honestly, this year. Yeah, yeah. And he can take it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he proved last year that he's up to the task of starting that many and wants that many. Well, people forget that when he was in Nashville, I think what Pecorino went down with an injury, a hip injury, and he mm-hmm. started a lion's share of those those games and he did really well. Yeah. I think he's got it in him. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I I don't know if if Sabres fans have talked about uh, Brian Elliott at all, uh, Anthony. But I think the 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 fear I would have if I was a fretful Sabres fan would be well the last backup the Blues moved on from didn't 
have as hot a trajectory. But I think Carter Hutton's very different from Brian Elliott. I think Brian Elliott really, really thrived when he knew that he was there with somebody else. Um, and, right. and he he seemed to kind of crumble a little a little bit when it was like, okay, you know, you're the guy. Plan B is injured or whatever. You're the guy. And then he well, kind of faltered. You know, his ability to start that long stretch last year and, and play really well and have the highest, you know, save percentage in the league. And I think the second highest or maybe the highest GSAA, right? Mm-hmm. If you go into the analytics, you know, arena. Um, I think that quelled a lot of the doubt, like, oh, yeah, well, he looked great in backup duty, but what if he's a starter? Well, yeah. he kind of was a starter for a pretty good chunk of last year. And he was admirable, at, you know, to say the least. So um, I think everyone's pretty unanimously excited i don't think anyone was upset with the, with the deal at least and nobody rational um yeah so you know there, there's a general excitement i think there was apprehension to handing Allmark that starting spot and just going with a bonafide backup like a Kari Lettinen or, or cam ward you know someone else on on the uh, free agent market um so so hutton it was the best option to give you that flexibility and you, how do you beat that contract i've got a goalie question for you yeah. Just before we go off the rails here, what did you think of Robin Leonard? Uh, so <laughs> you're, you're talking to a really big Robin Leonard detractor. Robin Leonard would have been phenomenal in 1980 when goalies were just big, goofy, you know, giant pads and, were, you know, just stood there. Occasionally he, stick he, slash his, somebody. Right. His flexibility and his ability to move post to post is just so bad his reaction time is brutal he looks every bit of 250 pounds when he's moving <laughs> um, he's not nimble he, he's i'm sure an athlete obviously he's in the nhl but in in the scheme of goaltending he's not athletic he he does nothing but but stand there so to speak and he's just big and that's really the only thing that's good about him um I and this is going to sound really harsh. I see him flaming out of the NHL in less than two years. Where did he end up? Is he? He's not the Bruins. Um, he's backup, the backup on the New York Islanders. Islanders. He oh. sure is going to flame out. He sure is. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a great situation. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really interesting perspective because I think earlier in the summer we kind of looked at him and seen that he really had very similar numbers to Jake Allen. Um, Obviously, factoring factoring in the few months every year where Jake Allen goes to the shadow realm and <laughs> becomes uh, whatever he becomes, but yeah, so that was that's interesting perspective to to hear because I think for us as kind of outsiders, when it was announced that you were just going to kind of let him walk, it was surprising from afar, but uh, obviously not to want to know a fun fact. I would love to know a fun fact. We're all about fun facts here. Including his time in Ottawa, Robin Leonard has saved three shots total on the shootout, not including shots that missed the net. Three oh saves. God. Oh, no. If you look at the you know, goalies oh who had no. more than like one shootout start, he is far and away by a massive margin the worst <laughs> shootout goalie who's ever lived. That's and horrifying. He, and any time a team was on a breakaway, it goal, he just has to hit the net. He just has to hit the net. Oh. And so, Sabres fans, I know the shootout cost us, I think, what, like eight points last year with eight shootout losses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But still in all, it, it, everybody just got sick of, okay, cool, overtime's over. I'm just going to turn off the TV. There's nothing to watch here unless Chad Johnson's in. Maybe we have a chance. 
That's oh. that's hilarious. I did not the, know. The worst shootout goalie I have ever seen. <laughs> the worst one-on-one. The worst odd man rush goalie of all time. Uh. I'm, I am I am one of the least bullish people on him. And so maybe maybe I'm a little bit, you know, screw, a little bit of a Scrooge in this regard. But I, I was so done with him. I was whatever. Don't qualify him. Get a seventh <laughs> round pick. I don't care. Get See, a, I heard he was seat. crazy. He, he's uh, oh, and he's bad shit in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my one of my favorite tweets, and I, I forget who sent it out, but it was a, a Buffalo area blogger, and. He goes, my favorite part of every post game is listening to Robin Leonard blame everyone but himself. (laughs) (laughs) All he did was like, well, the defense in front of me, like we got to start playing the game. The coach lays out. It's like, yeah, Robin, your save percentage was like 0.79 today. So like, (laughs) this you. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, See, there's entertainment in that. Exactly. Yeah. But he was also a bona fide sociopath, which was entertaining, but not great. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not going to be good, though, you can at least be crazy and entertaining, right? Sure. Uh, you mentioned Chad Johnson. Do you have any thoughts on him before we jump you know, forward? His first stint in Buffalo, um, and, and I apologize, I'm having a brain fart right now. I forget where he went for a year uh, in between. Um, his first stint in Buffalo when Jack Eichel was a rookie, uh, he was really decent. Um, a lot of people were calling for him to start over Leonard, which wasn't going to happen because it was Leonard's first year. They just traded a first-round pick for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was really, really nice. He had, I think, a 92% save percentage, if I'm not mistaken, or, or close to it. Um, and so people were pretty unanimously psyched to have him back. Uh, he had a really bad year. Um, yeah, numbers-wise, it did not look good. I mean, it's tough. It's tough because the Sabres were not a good possession team. They were not a good, you know what I mean, transition team. Uh, the defense was an unadulterated disaster. So it's – but he, he looked he, – he didn't – Oh, man, he didn't put them ever in a position where it was like, oh, man, he's standing on his head despite the team. He was as bad as everyone else. So goalies get down years like that, and that's the same reason I think Jake Allen's going to be fine. I think Chad Johnson is a fine backup. um, But once you put him in a role where he's starting more than, let's say, 15 to 20 games, Mm. I think you're going to see a lot of mortality, Uh a lot of weakness there. But he is what he is. I don't hate him. Uh, He had a bad year, and there's no getting around that. But career-wise, you can't just put one season in a vacuum and say, oh, he's bad now. That's not how it works with goalies. Um, So I think think he'll be fine. You're not going to love him. You're not going to hate him. He's going to be your quintessential backup goalie. I think you just terrified a lot of Blues fans who expect – that he'll have to start a string of ten games sometime this season, but your your analysis is probably true whether or not it bodes well for the Blues. That's not your fault. Um, so I guess transitioning more into kind of a, a wider lens and starting to talk about the Atlantic. Oh, oh one more question. Though. Okay, I mean it's everyone's probably got the same opinion on this player. Oh, I was gonna ask. Oh, but okay. Go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> gotta jump jump the gun. What do you think about Rasmus Dahlin? <laughs> Oh, man, I think he's overrated. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, he's <laughs> terrible. Oh, that would have no, been a hot joking. take for our uh, podcast. I, I think though. the only fear at all around Rasmus Dahlin uh, or, or doubt around him uh, leading up to the draft was whether or not we'd outsmart ourselves and pick Svechnikov first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, um, everybody was, was is really excited to see him. Um, he's an elite defenseman, and as great as Rasmus Ristolainen is, uh, he's overworked in Buffalo by a lot, and I think the hope is that Dolan can take a lot of that heat off his shoulders and 
turn Ristolainen into what he is, which is a really, really high-end second-pairing guy. Yeah. Um, he's been forced. He fun, Another fun fact for you, uh, over the last three years in the NHL, only two defensemen have more uh, average minutes per game than Rasmus Ristolainen, and that's, you know, Doughty and Suter. And that's bananas uh, for, you know, and just speaks to how bad the Sabres defense has been. Um, Dowlin is going to be so huge in kind of taking that load off his shoulders. Ristolainen doesn't have to play every power play. He doesn't have to play every penalty kill. You don't need him in every offensive zone faceoff because he's the only guy with upside, uh, you know, shooting the puck. So um, not only is he is Dowlin going to be great in and of himself, he is going to positively affect the depth chart by moving guys down who are forced into top pairing minutes. That's awesome, yeah. That's how we felt kind of when actually when the O'Reilly trade came through was like it made a lot more sense of what was already here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, so that was more the question I was going to ask before Ian rudely interrupted <laughs> me. But, uh, no, so yeah, just overall, where is the excitement level uh, with Dowling coming in with Middlestat presumably uh, starting the year with the team now, um, you know, Skinner's in, Thompson's in to a lesser extent. Uh, you've got other great prospects, I think, in the not-too-distant future. How are Sabres fans feeling, uh, you know, today on August 9th as opposed to maybe a year ago on August 9th? Yeah, so um, before draft lottery, uh, you couldn't say anything positive about the team without getting flamed. Like, no, everything's terrible. The sun is never going to shine again. I hate hockey. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was the general sentiment. Yeah. Uh, this, this team is screwed forever. Housley's a joke. He's just like, okay, he's, he's his first year in. Um, and, and then we won the lottery, and everyone's like, oh, man, this is going to be kind of cool. And then the Sheary trade happens, and then Hutton, and then Skinner, and now everyone's like, oh, my God, this team might actually – be something right mm-hmm. i think everyone in buffalo will be satisfied with a market improvement right i'm not talking about going from 62 points to 70 that's not enough i think if we hover get back to like 80 points show a really big leap this year i don't even think the expectation is playoffs uh, among most rational fans i think the atlantic is really strong and we've got a really young inexperienced team um mm-hmm. you know middle stats our second pair or i'm sorry our second line center and he, he played seven games last year. You know what I mean? At, yeah. at the end of the year. So we're putting a lot on young players like Dowling too. Um, so I think everyone be excited to just see progress this year, but it's got to be market progress. If, if, if we're looking at another, you know, 80 points or less season, uh, I, I think that Housley's seat might get a little hot. I think people will start to get a little, you know, put a little more pressure on um, probably not Botterill because he's done a great job, but uh, the Pagulas and, and, everything but I, i'm pretty confident this team's going to be at least a 500 team um playoff aspirations might be lofty but uh no the the, the mood 180 dance your question i mean a complete 180 yeah i would i would kind of think that that's kind of where the blues are at obviously not quite you know as rough a year last year but also not quite the high of adding a rasmus dolling to the mix mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I think they're mirror teams. Ian, you have any more you want to ask about the Sabres before we kind of discuss them in light of the division? Um, not to get too specific, but who do you think uh, Dallin pairs up with? Ooh, good question. Um, there's a lot of debate in that regard, right? Uh, a lot of people want to see him with Zach Bogosian, uh, a healthy Zach Bogosian, finally, for the first time in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, no, I, I forget what the exact number is, but he's missed just a disgusting amount of games since coming over to Buffalo. Um, I don't love that. I don't know that you put any 18 year old with Bogosian who is a huge defensive liability, uh, even if it is Rasmus Dahlin. I think that might be kind of nuts. Um, I think uh, I wouldn't hate seeing him with Brendan Gooley. I also wouldn't hate seeing him with uh, Marco Scandella. I know they're they're both right shot guys, so that you know wouldn't be great. But I don't know. Um, I want to see him on the second pair to start, but I think eventually he'll move up to the first pair. What would be really neat is to see him eventually with Rasmus Ristolainen mm-hmm. uh, as your you know de facto top pair this year. But um, I want to see him with somebody a little more defensively responsible. So I don't love the Bogosian idea. Gooley's very young too, though, so I guess I don't like that idea so much either. Um, I guess it's kind of pick your poison. Because mm-hmm. you've got, you know, you've got Jake McCabe, who's also a left shot, so he's out. Scandell is a lefty, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and putting him and Ristolainen together, I don't know about that either, because then you're just stacking, you know, all of your talent on one pairing. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. I guess uh, I'm I'm not sold on any partner for him yet. Uh, we'll see. We'll see who he meshes with. I think the nice thing is, you know, and the and boys fans know this from when we got Petrangelo. Over time, as he develops and really solidifies into your top line defenseman you're going to go out and find a partner for him. You know, the Blues did that with Bo Meester years ago. And the Blues fans will debate how well that's worked. I think it honestly worked pretty well when Bo Meester was healthy. But, like, that will become the team's top priority in some mm-hmm. respects. So I think... Well, his, they think that, you know, a lot of fans feel that his long-term partner is actually Matias Samuelson, the second-round pick from this year. Uh, big defensively responsible guy a lot of people think that was the logic behind picking him even though we had until the Sheary and Skinner trade which you know were huge we had a pretty big hole organizationally on the wing mm. uh, to, to spend I think we spent five out of our six draft picks on, on defensemen uh, Matias Samuelson is the prototypical perfect guy to have with Dallin long term assuming he develops the right yeah way. I mean that'd be even even more awesome In-house, if you developed yeah. him from within I just right, think, right. you know, it's it's just one of those things where that's kind of going to be a problem that will resolve itself because it will just become yeah. priority number one, I think. I'm really interested in Darlene sure. just because I just find really high-level young defensemen just a little more interesting to watch. They might not necessarily, I mean, Darlene is flashy, but like they're not necessarily as flashy as their forward counterparts, but I think you see a lot, I feel like you can see a lot of development in them. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because they're right. out there longer. Um, there's a bigger microscope on them and whether or not they, you know, they feel that at all. But I feel like we as fans get to see them grow a lot more and it's just that much more engaging. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Uh, where do you, Anthony, and then you, Ian, see the Sabres finishing this year? Uh, that, that's a tough call, right? Because if you look at the Atlantic, I think there are a minimum of four teams that are decidedly better than us right this second um obviously i I think more than any other division in in the league honestly your top three for the plus you know those top three automatic seeds are all but set tampa bay boston toronto in some order i mean they're they're that a group you know what i mean i don't think anyone is even close to them and you know you've got a really strong metropolitan division so the wild card is going to be tough you know you got Pittsburgh, Washington, Philly, Columbus, New Jersey, all relevant, you know, good teams. Even Carolina is a little bit 
you know, okay. They're, they're probably not in the conversation, but you get the idea, right? 83 mm-hmm. points last year. So I think in our own division, I see us finishing fifth. I think Florida might have the edge on us, but I do think right now the Sabres are a better team than Detroit, Montreal, and Ottawa. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I think probably I where that. I put it. I think when you look just at last year's standings, which we've got written up here next to us, it it's really a ha- it was at least you know and I hope and believe the Sabers have have shifted this a little bit but it was really a haves and haves not have nots with you know even the Panthers had ninety six points last year which you know to miss right. the playoffs with ninety six points is a bit of an accomplishment really but then the <laughs> yeah. the drop off from them to the Red Wings at seventy three that's a stiff and steep hill to climb, but as I'm sure we will discuss uh, in short order, the Senators are a dumpster fire. Uh, probably the, the biggest one in the history of sports. The Canadians, <laughs> God only knows what they ever are. And then, you know, the Red Wings are, are in their perpetual kind of indeterminate rebuild of mostly old people. So I think you do. The nice thing is you can make a lot of progress. Uh, I just think cracking the top will be kind of hardy and you have more thoughts on that or no i think i think that's kind of exactly where i put the uh the uh, sabers i think they're probably better than than the red wings and montreal and ottawa are just on their own little category but yeah i i think they're on the up and up i forget, i honestly forget the panthers are there i was gonna say oh the sabers are fourth but yeah the panthers were pretty good last year so yeah i think that'll be kind of the tough fight in that division and then kind of it'll just depend on what sorts out in the metro to kind of see if exactly if that fourth team makes the playoffs or not uh so let's go ahead and move on um I know we've done a lot of of Sabres talk. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other teams in this division. Uh, the Boston Bruins are, um, you know, a, a habitually, traditionally great team. Um, made some, I would say, interesting moves this offseason. Obviously, the Blues are, are Blues and Blues fans have a vested interest in the signing of Yaroslav Halak as the backup goaltender. I still have. A poster over Ian's shoulder of, of Yaroslav Halak and his time with the Blues, but uh, they signed him for two years at five point five million dollars uh, at the behest, one assumes, of Zdeno Chara. <laughs> um, they uh, signed John Moore, who they already had for a f- uh, five-year deal, thirteen point uh, seven five million dollars. Some other kind of minimal signings and zero trades. So really, they're coming in basically with the same team they had last year. Uh, they Got rid of Anthony Kidoba and uh, no uh, Anton Kidobin and added Yaroslav Halak was kind of the big shift. Um, there were a team that won that scored that collected 112 points last year, finished just below the Lightning. Uh, they arguably have the best line in hockey with uh, Marshan Bergeron and. Um, Pasternak. Okay, <laughs> um, no, I knew it was one of those two guys, but um, yeah, so. Uh, the Bruins are a really good team. I don't think there's any um, question about that. But, Ian, why don't you talk about some of the questions you do yeah. have about their core? I mean, they they are a fun team to watch. They were a lot better than I thought they were going to be last year, especially with their kind of – I don't know many of their prospects, to be quite honest, or any of their younger players. Mm-hmm. So when I looked at some of those names, I'm like, I don't know who this is. Yeah, and we talked about them even in our – you know, in this episode last year when we did an Atlantic preview, we talked about them as maybe the team that would kind of surprise people as falling mm-hmm. out of the top. And they certainly answered that with an uproarious hell no last <laughs> year. But. I mean, they've got a they've got a young core moving up, mm-hmm. but they also have an aging core, 
You've got Bergeron, who's 33, Rask, who's 31 already somehow. Uh, Krejci is 32. Bacchus is 34, as Blues fans will know. Chara is 41, and he's still playing. Yes. I mean, some of those guys are still... And big. I don't know if you've oh, heard, he's Oh, he's also very large. Very large. <laughs> um, a lot of those guys are playing up to, you know, what they should be. I mean, Chara's still a pretty decent defender uh, for, for 41. Yeah. Um, we all know that uh, Bergeron, even though he's 33, is an amazing centerman. Like, that doesn't matter. That guy's pretty much out of this conversation. But Krejci, Bacchus, they're getting a little bit older. And you've got some young guys who I think have a little bit to prove. I'm shocked Tuka Rask is 31, by the 31. way. That's bizarre to me. Yeah, it's, I guess he's been around forever. Like, in my head, I know that. And as Anthony said earlier, goalies tend to take a longer time to get there anyway. But mm. still feels weird. So I, I just wonder if these young guys have... The uh, potential this year, maybe, you know, the guns to really step up and kind of close that gap. You've got guys like DeBrosk, who we kind of do know has that potential. I mean, he had a really good playoffs last year, really turned it on towards the end of the year, too. Uh, Donato, Carlo, Heinem, Bjork, um, they already have Pasternak and McAvoy. I mean, Pasternak's only 22. That's bonkers to me. (laughs) He's only 22 years old. Um, I think they have, I think they can close that gap, but I think there is a pretty large age gap where if some of these older guys start to fall off, you really need those younger guys to step up pretty immediately or you're going to see that sort of fall we were talking about. Yeah, and yeah, that's what's interesting about the Bruins a little bit. Um, they're, they're in transition, but in a great way. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got the next core coming up. I don't know that it's as impressive as, you know what I mean, uh, let's say that late 2009, 2010, 11 uh, core they had, they were, were you know, they – they were competing for the cup every year, but that the, the young core they have is really great. And I don't want to say this is their last hurrah with the old core, so to speak. Bergeron's not going anywhere. And he's still, in my opinion, the most underrated player in hockey. Um, I agree. But yeah, like you said, you know, Chara Bacchus, it's, it, I think this is maybe their last year or two at the very top of the division, almost, you know, as a, and a quintessential guarantee to be a playoff team, but they're going to be really dangerous for a long time. Um, I'm as worried about them as I am about the Leafs long term and Tampa. I guess not. Not really. Tampa's scarier. But you can <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And I think their their cores. You know, it's an enviable position to be in where their core is aging as their younger core is coming up, and they're mm-hmm. kind of perfect. Uh, where do you think they finish, Anthony, in the division? Uh, it's tough to say. I guess it depends how bullish you are on the Maple Leafs. Um, I, I think third. Uh, they'll, they'll they'll still be really great, and it's it's not going to be a distant third. Uh, that one, two, three is, in my opinion, going to be pretty much up for grabs. I think the Lightning are maybe a, a half step ahead of the other two, the other two being Toronto and Boston. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, two or three. I, I, I think I think I think Toronto takes two this year. I, you know, they're they're really impressive. Um, I hate them, but they're impressive. <laughs> uh, but I think Tampa. I think Tampa wins the division again. If I had to make a prediction. That's that's uh, that's probably what we have. Yeah. I think Bruins Bruins definitely. I think we might have had them a third last year, but yeah, third. Yeah. So the nice thing about going alphabetically is you're going to kind of ping pong from one extreme to the other a little bit. <laughs> uh, the other extreme being the Detroit Red Wings, who 
as usual, made a bunch of moves that didn't seem to really have a direction and don't make a ton of sense. Uh, They finished with 76 points last year, 5th in the division and 13th in the Eastern Conference. Uh, And they responded to that by re-signing Mike Green, who apparently doesn't want to win the Cups he missed out on in Washington. Um, Thomas Vanek is coming back again. To be traded again, one assumes. <laughs> um, Andreas Athanasiu got his uh, two-year extension, uh, as did Anthony Mantha. And then they signed Jonathan Bernier to be uh, their backup, or maybe their starter for now, with, I think, uh, Jimmy Howard on the last year of his contract. Um, no meaningful trades, but they did, of course, uh, they were kind of labeled as the um, bells of the ball, especially in the first round of the draft, uh, as Philip Zadina criminally fell to him. Thank you, Montreal. Uh, <laughs> criminally fell to the Red Wings uh, at sixth overall, and then they got Joe Veleno, who I think was pretty well regarded coming into the draft, but maybe doesn't have that high an upside as more of kind of a leadership uh, Jonathan Taves type, although mm-hmm. I guess his upside's pretty high. <laughs> um, I'm never going to stop fighting that battle, but uh, both of those guys. Um, Anthony, you think Philip Zadina is in the NHL this year? Yeah, I do. And I, I just got to say, I have an eternal, you know, blood hatred now for John Chaka for allowing <laughs> this guy to come back into my division after I thought for sure he'd be banished to the desert and I wouldn't have to worry about him. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So Detroit, I think, is kind of in a position, similar position to Buffalo, except their offseason moves were really head scratching. Um, it was almost like they wanted to one more chance to squeak into the playoffs like as they were rebuilding mm-hmm. bizarre they've but, been you know, it feels like they've been trying to Thomas do that Vanek, like why yeah but uh and the mike green thing like you said it's it, weird but they are just starting their big rebuild with those three first round picks which they nailed all of them um hard not to i guess but Thanks to the uh, complicity of the uh, four teams behind damn you. Damn you, <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, no, they're, they're uh, three to four years out from being really relevant to me. I think they're going to flounder right around that mid-70s. Maybe if they you know catch fire, they get into the 80s. But I, I, I think it'd be a really long shot for them to be a playoff team. I think the Sabres, like I said, have a better chance than they do. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Uh, their kind of lo- lingering question, I think, uh, Dylan Larkin is is due an extension now. I guess he has one year left on his entry-level contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a guy who kind of exploded into the NHL and has, I would say, sort of underperformed in the two years since last year, a little less than the year before that when Ian spent a lot of draft capital on him in his first fantasy draft. I again. don't like <laughs> Dylan Larkin very much. <laughs> Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's a big question for them. Their defensive core is, I would say, just terrible. I mean, just really bad. If Danny Danny DeKaiser is, like, a top-line, arguably, defender for you, not great. Not not real pretty. And I remember desperately wanting the Blues to sign him when he came into college. But, uh, I mean, he's fine for, like, a second- or third-line defender. But if he's kind of your centerpiece, not great. Uh, You have any thoughts on the Red Wings, Ian? Their second pairing is going to be like Erickson and Daly. That should be like your third Trevor, pairing. Trevor Daly will play forever, I'm positive. I uh, think so, yeah. He's just a bad penny. 
<laughs> it'll just goes up on like bad. He went from being like you know Pittsburgh's you know third pairing guy and you know in, in the mid two thousands and late two thousands they were really 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 good. They they're still really good, but um yeah. And now he's just like surfacing randomly every year. He's like Johnny Oduya. Like just, yeah, just exactly. Randomly show up now. They're perfect compliments. Yeah, they just you never know where they are, and then you just hear the name, mm. and you're like, oh. Oh, do you? is perfect still, for that because the alive. name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those two are your second pairing, and you can't make them your third pairing because Nicholas Cronwall has to be on your third pairing. <laughs> and I really like Nicholas Cronwall in like his heyday. Hip checks for days with that guy, but now it's like I think he's thirty eight. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they have, they got to have like one year left on him or something, <sighs> but. I think they're just trying to coast off of that. They but. have a year left on Zetterberg. I, I remember sure. in high school, we would we'd body check each other into the lockers and say, "You got Cronwald." And <laughs> that, that's that, that's high school. That's a decade ago for me. So the fact that you know he's still relevant or around, it's just crazy. Exactly. They, you've got Henrik Zetterberg. Who you go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Like a great hockey player. Still, Nick. We also have Nicholas Cronwall. And you go, why? <laughs> Can you imagine if Pavel Dotsuk was still like clinging on to this weird Frankenstein <laughs> monster of a team? Um, as Ian points out in our notes, they have plenty of guys who can score fifty points or fewer. And nobody Tons who can score more than that. <laughs> Maybe Larkin. Larkin hopefully is will eclipse mm-hmm. that. But beyond that, you know, you've got Mantha and and Nyquist and Athanasiu who are all okay. Franz Nielsen. But yeah, I mean I think their big question is Zadina, how well he does if he does jump, which I think I agree with you. Um that he will um, probably do that. But then, I mean, they're just a bad team. They're just not good enough. They're in this weird kind of caught-in-the-middle place that it seems like they've been for longer than they would have had to be. Like, that, as you pointed out, Anthony, I feel, I, they are kind of starting their rebuild finally, but it feels like they should have just done that a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and they didn't, so I don't expect anything from them. Um, you think... They'll just be in the same place, Anthony, Ian, either one of you? Yeah, I think they'll flounder right around where they were at last year. They, like you said, they might have, I mean, and that's saying something for the Atlantic, but they might have the worst defense in the Atlantic. It's it's bad. Yeah. And I, I, just, I, don't, I just don't see how they can possibly get to, you know, that, that magical 95-point mark to be anything remotely resembling a playoff team. I think that they... Our bottom three in the division, oh, I, I don't see an outcome where that where that doesn't happen. I think they end up bottom three one way or another. Yeah, I think uh, I want to hate the Red Wings, and it's just kind of sad right now. It's the same with the Canucks. Uh, I feel that way about a different team in this division, which I'll, I'll hold out and tell you which one. <laughs> okay, uh, fair enough. I mean, I, I think we know the two candidates <laughs> but yeah i mean i think i felt like it feels like they moved the red wings out of our division right when they f- sort of fell off the wagon in terms of being really yeah. relevant and yeah, we, we feel the same way about tampa by the way like except the reverse <laughs> yeah like I mean, as soon as they were amazing yeah great thank you i guess oh, you get- florida's relevant now too good <laughs> they're the uh, easy teams Speaking of which, I guess we can transition to Florida unless you have more to say oh, about Detroit. I was just going to say, if you don't hate the Red Wings still, 
I went on their subreddit to kind of look up what they thought of their team for this episode. And then I found a thread that was favorite Red Wings goal in history. And I clicked on it for some reason. I don't know why I clicked on it. I knew what it was going to be at the top. I had it lost it. It was (laughs) Iserman just, you know, from the blue line, just firing it. Maybe the red line, firing it and it going past the Blues goalie. Oh, man. not a lot of great moments. The in sad, history, one of the sadder moments. The but ones. so yeah, I still hate the Red Wings. <laughs> well, good. Uh, um, so Florida Panthers, a team that I don't know if anyone can really hate. They can just sort of nothing them because that's about where they are. I don't know. Maybe do you have strong feelings about the Florida Panthers, Anthony? Since you're in their division. Um. No. I mean, it's it's a little <laughs> early. Like we don't have a rivalry with them or anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think they're the dark horse team in the division. They could be really awesome or they could just crap themselves. Like I, I don't know what to think of them. I mean, their, their end of the season last year was magnificent. I mean, they were were amazing, but in the, but in the beginning and through the middle, they were like, eh, you know, they were like an 85 point team, probably, you know, 80 point team. So they can go either way. Um, you know, that, I like them. I think they're. I think they are a playoff caliber team. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be in the conversation for the wild card. But if you're trying to like, you know, dead nuts, get it, get a gauge on every team. I think they're the hardest team to gauge in the division, except for maybe Buffalo because of all the roster turnaround. But I don't know. I, I, I don't think we're as good as them yet. I, I like their roster. They have so much talent. And but you got to wonder, like, okay at what point does Roberto Luongo stop being Roberto Luongo? You know what I mean? He's super old. It was it feels 39 like, now. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it should have already happened, but it right? hasn't. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, as I don't want to say they've been leaning on him cause they haven't, they've been talented beside him, but, uh, if he's bad, I don't know that they're strong enough to make up for that and still be a playoff team. So, a lot of it kind of rides or dies with him a little. Um, but that being said, they're young. They're talented. I think they're going to be at least good for a while. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they didn't do a lot this offseason. I guess they made one significant trade. Uh, they signed Michael Hutchinson to be their backup goalie, which, again, as you mentioned, if Luongo falls off, not a, not a great security blanket there, although no. they ha- still have Reimer. Reimer yeah. So I don't know what's, what's going on there. I guess maybe they're worried about an extended injury for one of the two. But... Um, then the bit the big trade was profiting off of um, Doug Wilson's conniving with the Ottawa Senators and uh, trading for Mike Hoffman, uh, which still feels gross even all this time <laughs> later. But yeah. I guess we can talk about that when we get to Ottawa. A bunch of picks going to San Jose. Um, man, they have you know you talked about. Uh, Bergeron being an underrated player. The Panthers have a ton of underrated talent. I think Alex uh, Barkov is maybe up there with Bergeron in terms of just being totally overlooked as one of the better players in the league. Uh, And then I love Vincent Trocek kind of for the inverse reason that um, Ian hates Dylan Larkin, but (laughs) I love Vinny Trocek. Jonathan Huberdeau finally had like a really explosive season and had 69 points last year. Uh, Evgeny Dadanoff came over Mm -hmm. from the KHL and had a really great uh, not rookie, I mean, I guess rookie season, but not technically because yeah. I think he's an international in like 30, but still a really <laughs> great debut in the NHL. Uh, they've added Mike Hoffman, who, as you said in the notes, Ian, regardless of whatever may be going on behind the scenes in his personal life, is still a really talented goal scorer and a really great forward to help that forward core. Um, 
Yeah, and, you know, they've got Aaron Eckblad. They have Keith Yandel still, which, even though he's been a fixture with the Panthers, feels kind of like Trevor Daly, where it's like, oh, Keith Yandel still, huh? I mean, it's still yeah. there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I think you you hit the nail on the head, Anthony, when you said, who knows with the Panthers? It felt like they should have been a playoff team last year because they won every game from, like, Thanksgiving through the end of the season, it felt like, or whenever, you know, Christmas or New Year's at least. But, uh, yeah, they didn't make it, and you know, just because of how stacked the East is with really good teams. But who knows? What do you think, Ian? Uh, to kind of quote Ken Hitchcock, they kind of play a track meet sort of game. It's a, <laughs> kind of a glass cannon team. It's a lot of scoring, but it's a lot of letting goals in the other way. Last year, they finished second in shots per game with 34.4. But last year, they also allowed the third most uh, goals per game or shots per game, that is, with 34.6. It's just back and forth, back and forth. I remember that when they played the Blues in the two games that we had with them. I think one of them I was like driving somewhere because I remember listening to it on the radio and thinking, man, it is just nonstop back and forth. And Ken Hitchcock and that would hate right, this. And that goes right back to it hinges so much on Luongo. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and if, he, if he's not what he's been, which. He's like the Tom Brady of hockey right now, just freaking immortal. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I noticed that with their stats, when I was looking at the goalie stats for both those guys, they had pretty good save percentages, but then their goals against averages were really high. And I was like, so yeah. they're just getting peppered yeah. nonstop. I mean, like we said, Keith Yandel, Aaron Eckblad, you know, great offensive defenseman. Um, I can't say I watched many Panthers games, so I don't know necessarily about their defensive game, but I know Keith Yandel is more in the mold of Kevin Shattenkirk for a Blues fan, so not the most defensively sound. I just think overall that team could be stronger on the back end defensively, mm-hmm. probably. I think Ekblad, too, you know, maybe you have an opinion on this, Anthony, but maybe a little bit of a disappointment considering the hype as, a, as the number one problems. overall pick. But, I mean, I think he's still pretty good. Uh, yeah, but, I think, I think honestly, everyone but David Pasternak from the top of that draft has been pretty, not disappointing, but maybe not as great as people thought. Just I mean, Dreisaitl is good. Yeah. You know, Sam Reinhardt on the Sabres is good. Um, I still think Ekblad, besides Pasternak, is probably the best player from that draft. Mm-hmm. You know, the best defenseman from that draft, at least. Um, I, I don't know. I like Ekblad. Uh, he, disappointing, maybe, but he was not like the offensive powerhouse coming out like Dallin is. You know what I mean? He wasn't mm-hmm. even the consensus top overall. It was a really weak first round that year, to be honest. Yeah. So, I don't know that he's a huge disappointment, but he needs to be better for them. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder of how NHL, unlike more so at least than any other sport, your first your draft can just be really good or really bad. For instance, a team could get to pick Eric Johnson first overall between Patrick Kane <laughs> and Sidney Crosby, just hypothetically speaking. Or was it Evgeny Malcolm, one or the other? Uh, between two really good <laughs> players, you get Eric Johnson, who, similar to Ekblad, really great. NHL defenseman, but for number one overall, maybe a little underwhelming. I think he's actually a pretty great comparison. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I think that's a, a not to pat myself on the back, but I think those are comparable <laughs> players in the sense that they went first overall. They're probably better than they get credit for because they're saddled with a little bit of that like first overall regret. Uh, but they're just not. You know, you look at them and see first overall, and they're like, huh. Really, <laughs> wonder what was going on there. Uh, yeah, I think the the Panthers finished fourth, probably. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Savers, as we said earlier, maybe fighting for that spot, but then it's just kind of a crapshoot whether 
five spots or four will come out of the metro. I mean, I know it's not a crapshoot because that's not how that works, but <laughs> relatively speaking. Um, any more thoughts on Florida, either of you? Well, I think we covered it. They're a Excellent. fun team. Let's move on to uh, the Montreal oh, Canadiens. This is our slow descent into madness. Uh, <laughs> so... Slow to set into, into Atlantic Division hell. Yeah. Uh, so we rebound at the end, but it gets dark here. What what do, what do we talk about? So they brought Thomas Pocanics back because, of course, hooray! Uh, good for you, <laughs> um, guy whose name Mark Bergevin. Good for you. Uh, they traded Alex Galchenyuk straight up from Max Domi as any GM would. Anyone, any no one would question that move. It was brilliant. Um, they acquired Steve Mason, Joel Armia, and a seventh-round pick as uh, a salary dump with the um, Jets, which, as as reticent as I am to ever give Mark Bergevin credit for anything, was actually, I think, a pretty, pretty decent move. Mm-hmm. Um, made more hilarious by the fact that Paul Stastny then didn't sign with the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> um, but And then they, they drafted Kasperi Kotkaniemi, uh, first, third, third overall, because why draft a really good player when you can have a player that meets oh your dra- needs? Draft for need. Because, everyone always says that. Everyone, every draft expert always says draft for need. Screw talent. That's what they all say. <laughs> um, what do you think? Is this is this the team you hate but can't really, or is it the Senators, Anthony? <laughs> no, it's not Montreal. Um, okay, we'll see who it is. The, the suspense is still there. <laughs> um. No, my, you know the the Canadians. They and I. This is an actual literal tweet I sent out. Uh, it was either right before, or right. At, it was right after the draft. Uh, the only reason Mark Bergevin is not the worst GM in NHL history is because of the existence of Dorian. So, um, <laughs> That's so perfect. His mere existence is the only reason Bergevin is not the worst ever. He is and both still important GM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's horrible. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what he's building. I don't know what his vision is. Code Kaniemi was a bizarre selection. Uh, he'll never live up to that hype. I don't. There, there was that third overall pick. Uh, how you pass up on Zadina is amazing to me, and, and I could say that about the next two teams too, I guess. But um, screw you, John Chaka. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, damn it, John, damn you, Chaka. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, they're they're not in a real similar position to Detroit, where Detroit like had a weird off season because it, it was almost like they thought they were contenders, missing a couple like veteran pieces, which they weren't. Um, but I don't know what they're doing. Uh, they're not going to be good. Uh, Carey Price needs to become Carey Price again if they even want to be competitive, in my opinion. If he's the same goalie he was last year, uh, they're they're screwed. Yeah, I mean he's the entirety of their team. I mean that's that's the long and short of it. If he's Really, 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 really good. They'll be competent. If he's anything less than that, they'll be terrible. And I think the odds are they'll be terrible. Which I re- I still really like Carey Price. I know he had a down year, but man, I mean that's just all. That's just the whole team. I think it's just it's just Carey Price. But they have Max Domi, and he's real excited about the history of the Canadians, and that's all that matters to them. So yeah, we talked about this last year when we previewed the Canadians. How you're closer to uh, Montreal? Maybe you've run into these people, but like, I don't understand how a fan base like a historical team, a fan base that is so diehard for that team, puts up with this. Like, honestly, I'm I'm I feel like if this were the Blues, 
there's not as many Blues fans as our Habs fans. I feel like they'd be just absolutely losing their minds. Like, it makes so, no sense. A little semi-related story here. So what you run into a lot, uh, especially with the Sabres being as bad as they've been, season ticket holders are selling uh, tickets to you know fans from Montreal and Toronto because it's way cheaper to go to a game in Buffalo, number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the drive is like not that big a deal for them, man, because you know there's a big Canadians following in Hamilton, Ontario, because of the Hamilton Bulldogs, uh-huh. who were the AHL affiliate um, until this past season uh, or this past off season. But um, I was talking to one of them about that, and they despise. Uh, Bergevin and you know one of the and admittedly he wasn't French Canadian but one of the guys like his the fact that he's French Canadian is the only reason he's still around a hundred percent a hundred percent and and so I was in a section it, this was during the quote unquote tank season when the Sabres intentionally lost games yeah I'll admit it we did it <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was it was like a Canadian's home game it was really bizarre uh, and I was sitting in a section surrounded by Canadians fans and they started a chant at me saying patches, get back on the ice. Cause they were adamant that I looked like Max, Max Pacioretty. Um, <laughs> I can say so, that. <laughs> I was, you know, it was, it was kind of funny. Um, better that than <laughs> Brad Marchand, right? I still think about that. Uh, <laughs> that's my, that's my biggest takeaway from Canadians fans. Like, well, they all seem to have come to a consensus on something. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yeah, no, there are a lot worse players in the NHL to be compared to. Sure, sure. Yeah, they, they didn't say Rod Brindamore. <laughs> exactly. Man, he's got a bod, but just not a face. Mike, Mike Ricci. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you hit the nail on the head or that, you know, Canadians fan. Literally, if Mark Bergevance doesn't speak French fluently. If he was Mark Berger, he'd be screwed. A thousand percent, he'd have been fired. And that's, I like... I just, I don't get it. Like the Yankees, you know, and I'm, I imagine, I don't know if you're a Yankees fan or a Yankees hater in Buffalo. I would imagine that's a pretty close knife edge, but maybe it's all Yankees fans. Um, a lot of Yankees fans, but you know, I think, I think it's definitely the home team quote unquote, mm -hmm. but, um, you've got a healthy mix of, I think Yankees, even Red Sox, which is weird. How can anyone from Buffalo like a Boston team? (laughs) But, um, you've got Yankees, Red Sox, uh, Indians because they used to be the Bison's affiliate, and then obviously the Blue Jays have a pretty big following because of the proximity. Okay, but I've got, that's very interesting. Actually, I had no idea, so I just kind of went out on <laughs> But I just I feel like the Yankees would not tolerate this, and the Habs should be the Yankees of of hockey, and they're just like, okay, whatever. We'll draft Casper, Kotkaniemi, and be terrible another year and then we'll bungle another draft and it'll just keep going. <laughs> and the only time we're going to get angry about something is if we hire a coach who doesn't speak French because God forbid <laughs> we get the most qualified op- candidate, not the one that doesn't have this one very specific skill. Um, do we want to continue berating the Canadians or should we move on? <laughs> I'm just confused. Are they going to have Kakanyemi play this year? Is that the I thought don't think process? So. I don't think he's anywhere close. Who's their center? I don't know. <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Anthony? Well, sh- shoot, it could have been Ryan O'Reilly, but they weren't willing to pony up their top prospects. Exactly. No. Uh, they, been... they, were, they were heavily rumored to be in on that, but uh, never matriculated. Apparently, Botterill was asking for the third overall pick, which would have been insane. But it's Mark Bergevin, so everyone was like, hey, you never freaking know. But uh, <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Could have happened. 
No, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. They're they're going to be one of the bottom two teams. I can essentially guarantee you that. Yeah, and they'll still act surprised when it happens. Oh, for sure. And then do how nothing. Could, how to could change she step it. in? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, so from 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 angry bad to sad bad. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the Ottawa Senators, who, as you said, the existence of Pierre Dorian is the only thing keeping Mark Bergevin from being the worst mm. GM, which is a beautiful tweet. And <laughs> I'm just so in awe of it. But <laughs> I mean, the, we've, we've talked funny on the, uh, about the Ottawa Senators' story, so we don't have to drag their name through the mud. Somehow, I mean, we're still going They've to. They've done that themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're still going to, don't get us wrong, but we don't have to. Anthony, Ottawa's close... To Buffalo compared to St. Louis, that is. Can you at night see the glow of Ottawa that is dumpster fire? <laughs> uh, I think I think Ottawa is probably a four or five hour drive. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's so, a big dumpster. So, fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's huge. Your question, yes. Um, we haven't had a night sky in months. <laughs> illuminated by the burning of the city of Ottawa. Oh, it's so. I mean, like it's really tragic. I is this the team you hate but can't anymore? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> oh. so in the mid two thousands, right after the lockout, right that was probably my like peak. Besides now, but like peak fandom and like appreciation for the Sabres they were really freaking good uh you know Drury and Briere uh two two consecutive Eastern Conference finals both you know both playoffs we hit against Ottawa and they we were the one and two in the division they were our big rival and we just and just unanimously Sabres fans despised Ottawa Mm-hmm. Like anything Ottawa related, just oh Dan, Dan Alfredson's trash dash just like haunts my dreams. <laughs> you know, we, All of our dreams. You I know, think. we used to call Jason Spezza's stick Saberbane. I mean, it was just, <laughs> you know, it, it, we hated him, but like I just feel bad, and you know, I don't like, and I think I'd be actually reveling in this if it was Toronto because I just I I can't stand them, but um, I feel just bad. They're a small market team, which so are we. You know what I mean? I think the rivalry was so great because they were, it was two small teams who nobody expected to be what they were. And now that they've like crashed into oblivion and I, I feel bad. Like I, I miss the rivalry, I think. And maybe yeah. that's why I want to see them be good because I, I, those were good times for me when they were good and we were good. Right. The you- fact that there is no freaking end in sight. Matthew Kachuk ain't gonna save you. I mean, I'm sorry, Pierre, but uh, it's they're they're gonna be bad for a long, long mm-hmm. time, and it sucks. But you know, a lot of Sabres fans are happy about it. I, I'm not happy. I, you know, you want your rivals to have just a modicum yeah. of respect. I mean, Cardinals and Cubs hate each other, but like, you want it to still be a rivalry. Exactly, it's not a rivalry if one team's garbage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think just a couple of thoughts randomly. But for one thing, Danny Briere, one of my favorite players in the history of my lifetime in the NHL. Just so you know, and I don't know if you ever listened to the Steve Dangle podcast, Anthony, but they spent a good deal of time this episode talking about that era of the Sabres team so if you don't you should maybe tune in this week but yeah uh, moving back to Ottawa not moving there because god forbid but like (laughs) I just and I think you hit the nail on the head again which is a phrase I've used a lot tonight but there's no it's the bleakest outlook for a professional sports team I've ever seen they just signed they just signed Mark Stone and Cody Ceci Ceci 
Chachi, whatever. <laughs> CC to what? Well, you, you went old, old country Italian. Chachi. There we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Uh, they both signed for one year. They, which to me is just like we're getting out of here. Like, yeah. no way we're oh, staying man. on this Titanic. Like you said, Brady Kachuk, not going to be your savior. Again, and and like we love the Kachuks, but did they not draft ahead of the Red Wings, or were they one spot behind him? They were ahead of the Red Wings. They so they also the did not choose Philip Sedina. Also did not choose <laughs> Philip Sedina. Which, yeah. uh, you know, and, and and obviously, like I said, St. Louis loves the Kachuks, but feels like that may come back to bite him a little bit. Um, yeah. And beyond that, they have nothing. Eric Carlson's still there. They have to trade him. Like, a thousand percent, they must trade him. And they still haven't, because, as you said, Pierre Dorian is garbage. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. I, I, how much they do we want to pile on? Selling parts right now. Exactly. I mean, they're they they can't keep prolonging this whole like. Okay, maybe if we, add, you know, I mean, maybe maybe we can survive. You can't. It's over. Sell everything you have. Do what the Sabers did. Just implode yourself for two years. You have to. I mean, and get rid of Pierre Dorian. My God, what what has to happen? Like, how do does does he Bergevin, the Jim Bennings of the world? How are they still around? Like, I don't. On. It makes no sense. And Eugene Melnick, who we didn't even touch on, Ugh. is awful. I don't even know what you do about that guy. It's like owning a McDonald's, except that you can move a McDonald's, but you don't want to. But it's still good. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I don't know if you remember that, but Melnick had some quote during their like outdoor game about how owning the Senators was like owning a McDonald's, and you wouldn't want to move it, but you could, but you didn't have to, but <laughs> you might. <laughs> just, yeah, that that, that guy's office, Gordon. What uh, some of the things he says, it's like I think, I, and I think I'll, I speak for all Sabres fans. We thank our lucky stars for the Pagulas, just mm-hmm. a billionaire from Pennsylvania who just happened to love Buffalo hockey. It's That's like awesome. Neat. Yeah. Honestly, we without them, we would seriously be at risk of not having a professional sports team. Mm, yeah. Uh, both, both the Bills and Sabres may not be here without the Pagoulas. So I think every time someone wants to question Terry Pagula, I think we point five hours north to Ottawa. Like, hey, uh, that could have easily <laughs> been us. Yeah. Oh, yikes. Uh, so before we, just move, before we move on to the, the remaining two really good teams in this division, the number of points Ottawa wins collects this year. Well, let's start with between three and six. What? Which of those numbers is it going to start with? <laughs> I can't imagine it falling outside uh, of that range, even as bad as I, they are. I think I think they end up in the high fifties. Honestly, yeah, I there's could, nothing there. I could see. I could see. Like I could see forty nine. I don't think so it's going to happen. Losing but, season, the Sabers had the tank year. We had. I think 52 points. So that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really could be absolutely that bad. I mean, at least then, next summer, they'll get to draft first overall, except oh, wait. they won't. They won't. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, oh my God. God. I forgot about the pick. It oh. just rolls down the hill. That's just so the good. worst. Jack Hughes, come on down, put on the Avs jersey. You're a Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, my gosh. Oh, let's. It's so bad. Oh, let's spare I them. I thought about that till just now. Jesus. <laughs> so bad. Like, don't, like, I feel so bad. Just don't watch the season, I guess, if you're it's an like Ottawa Billy fan. It's a Billy Mays commercial. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's so perfect. 
Uh, we have two more teams to talk about. I feel like we can file them away pretty quickly since we've yeah. taken a lot of your evening already. <laughs> but uh, Tampa Bay, really good team. Um, haven't done much this summer, have they? No, Ian, you but took you don't, a lot yeah. of the notes, but no, but I mean, you they don't, don't really have, have anything to. to do. They extended uh, Kucherov. Yeah, that was the big deal. Um, discussions that they're still in on Carlson, which just God spare us. It couldn't. I mean, how could they get any better by adding mm. Eric Carlson? That's <laughs> but don't do it. Uh, they won 113 points last year, 54, 23, and five. Really good, great forward core. Made it to the second or third round of the playoffs. Um, I don't know. what is there anything to say about Tampa? They'll probably win the division, I assume. Do you agree with that, Anthony? Yeah, I think they will. The one thing I do want to say about them, the myth that Toronto is right now far and away like a perennial division winner in the next, like, you know, I mean, five, ten mm-hmm. years or so is so wrong because of the existence of Tampa Bay. I mean, they're not old and they are really 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 good um i don't i don't know where why you know there are fans who think it's like oh in toronto and everybody else in a a little bit here it's not the case it's maybe the market size but like tampa bay is not going anywhere and i i think i'm more scared of them over the next five years than i am of toronto uh they're 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 really amazing i mean what they've been the, the talent they've been able to retain for the money they're spending is just absurd steve eiserman is the anti-dorian in this <laughs> yeah uh, he, he he's one of the best nhl gms of all time and he's he's these guys have bought in and they're you know kudrov he, he could have made more money on the open market but he wants to win in tampa bay because that team is better suited i think than any other team in the league to win multiple cups in not in the not too distant future they're so good yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we can sort of talk about Toronto and the Maple Leafs in tandem. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like the Atlantic is kind of a strange division in that there are a bunch of teams that the NHL and and especially the national media loves to cover. You know, I mean, they love Toronto, obviously, and Montreal right. because they're both big Canadians markets. Uh, Canadian markets, not Canadians markets. But uh, <laughs> they love the Red Wings historically and the Bruins. Um, and then, like, the Lightning and the Panthers. And, you know, I mean, Buffalo is a great hockey market, but a smaller town. Uh, they just kind of get overlooked, I would imagine. I don't want to speak for you, but relatively no, that's, speaking. that's accurate. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I think there is this myth that the Maple Leafs just walk all over that division next year. And I, we can transition into talking about them now to kind of wrap up because I so do not feel that at all. And, like, the more I think about it, the less wowed I am by the Tavares signing because that's, like, what they did this offseason. And we desperately wanted John Tavares in St. Louis. So I'm not going to sit here and like hindsight and be like, John Tavares isn't that good. John Tavares is very, 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 very good at hockey. But like they tried to do better the one thing they already did really well, which was have a great forward group. Their defense is still not great certainly and arguably not all that good and their goaltender's still kind of eh you know kind of okay most of the time but then sometimes not so good I just don't feel like this team is just an automatic Stanley Cup runaway favorite I mean they lost to the team 
they lost to a team last year that lost to another team in this division that then lost to the team that then <laughs> won the Stanley Cup Finals. So it's not like they're on the food chain. They're just right next to the top. You know, I don't know. Ian, you have thoughts on that? Because you're pretty plugged in with the Maple Leafs. Yeah. to dangle. They, I, what I had written down was I'm sure they'll have a great um, regular season. It might take a little bit to gel, but I'm sure they'll have a pretty good regular season. I think, like a lot of teams, especially ones that are up and coming, it's playoff time. That's where they got to prove it. It's been two first round exits. The first one, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, your first time back in the playoffs, I guess, since 2013, and that was more of a surprise than anything. Um, last year, again, second year, they, they did pretty well. It was game seven. You know, they still look competitive. I think year number three is a little bit of put up or shut up. You know, it's not huge changes or anything come year four if they get bounced in the first round. But I think people are going to start scratching their head, especially in Toronto, especially in Toronto where they're like just under a microscope. They're like, wait a second, we added John Tavares and that didn't work. Yeah, I, I, you know. Forgive me, Anthony. I don't hold particular ill will towards Toronto, but he I hates pr- I pray that they miss the playoffs <laughs> this year because the furor and the terror and just the panic will be so enjoyable to watch from afar. <laughs> or not oh, miss. It'll, the- be, it'll be enjoyable to watch from up close too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they get bounced in the first round again, especially like. It would be so beautiful if it was like the Sabres or Panthers stepping up and like taking them down. Now we're talking, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, even if it's just, you know, getting bounced by the Bruins or Lightning again, oh, that'd be so beautiful. Because, you know, unlike Montreal, where they can tolerate anything for any length of time, apparently, that the Maple Leafs historically haven't been able to tolerate anything for any (laughs) length of time at all. So. The most insufferable fan base in sports. I I can imagine that from I afar. It. We I you know we were talking about uh, Ian and I were talking about Steve Dangle earlier and kind of their hot takes on some Toronto stuff that I'm just like boy you know because I I don't know how plugged in you are to the rumors Anthony but there's been a lot of talk about Pareko possibly being traded to Toronto and Toronto fans are all like well you can't have Nylander and it's like. And then in the same breath, they'll be like, oh, yeah, he's our fourth best forward. You know, we don't really need him. He's not important, but you can't have him. You know, so it's just (laughs) like. What's what's amazing to me about Toronto is, right, you sit, I just imagine all the scouts and and the GM and the front office just sitting at a table like, all right, guys, our big problem last year and the year before was our terrible defense. So, and we've also got a lot of young guys coming up who we're going to have to pay. What's the plan? And someone raises their hand and says, John Tavares. And. And, you know, points at him and says, I love it. Jeff Barr is an amazing player. Don't get me wrong. But like, what? Like, you know, it's just, it seems weird. It's, and Dubis just seems really confident. Like, yeah, we'll keep everyone else, too. It's like, uh, but how? You know, because there's still a salary cap, Kyle. Like, is it, you know, I, so it's, I just don't see how they can retain I'll, that team with, with the money they've committed. And, and, and to try and fix that defense, they're going to have to part with the Nylander. You know what I mean? They're going to have to part with somebody of value. Uh, I'll tell you how they do it, because Steve Dangle and company <laughs> told me today, it's by signing William Nylander to an eight-year, $6 million deal per year. Because that's okay. what that's what he's going to do, is just step right up and sign $6 million sure? a year for eight <laughs> more years. Yeah, I mean, it's just I just... I don't think I don't get it. Kyle Dubas has already crowned the boy genius, and yeah. 
That's John Chaka, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you, that's Chaka. You got nothing on me, Kyle. I've been doing this you know, for you years. Know what makes me mad about Chaka? He's like two years older than me. It's like you, come on. I know. I know. I was like, who do you know? We're How the, did you get? We're here? the same age. So yeah, it's oh, that's gross. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's the kind of the same as the Montreal bilingual thing. It's like he's a Toronto boy. We have to sign him, and it's like we don't need him at all. And in fact, we need the cap space for lots of other stuff. And it's like, no, I don't care. He had Toronto pajamas. So all, all that stupid <laughs> signing does is just extend the insufferability of every freaking player who hits free agency who's from the province of Ontario Mm -hmm. automatically leaves fans like oh obviously he wants to come here shut up yep no you know Jeff Skinner's from the Toronto area like you know I mean now he's playing for Buffalo and and all I saw from Leafs fans like oh he'd have probably rather been Uh. playing for the Leafs like fuck you who cares (laughs) (laughs) oh my god stop like it's the most narcissistic fan base I've ever come across for a team that has literally not won a cup since there were eight motherfucking teams (laughs) come on we eight teams last time you won, you'd think they were perennial, perennial. Oh, it's incredible! Oh my god, Super Bowl, Jesus, Stanley Cup. <laughs> we talk about you know because the Blues have a pretty much identical drought, except that they were an expansion team and not except Toronto. They never won. Well, yeah, but but also not an original team. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, and and I'm sure Buffalo gets the same treatment. They talk about us like we don't exist. Like, oh my God! We're the team. If the media mentions us at all, we're the team that comes up where it's like, "What weird team would make this signing?" Oh yes, St. Louis. Because who cares, right? <laughs> like <laughs> it's so funny. Like they, they treat it like you know we should be privileged to even be in the conversation mm-hmm. of hockey. Oh yeah, we're two hours away from the mecca of, of you know of success. It's like, and you try to tell them like, uh, you guys haven't been that good in a really long time." They're like, "How dare you!" This place is <laughs> hockey heaven. It's yeah. Like, okay. Uh, um, prove it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is it? Because you guys have not been good for a long time. And, man, in their heads, like, and their first argument is like, oh, yeah, well, second most Stanley Cups ever. It's like, yeah, you won them all when they were freaking, you know, six teams mm-hmm. in the league. Are you kidding? Like, how can you hang your hat on that? Oh, but they can. Oh, they can. <laughs> they all figured the time. it out, whatever the formula yeah, my is. Favorite, uh, you know, my favorite argument when you bring that up is like, yeah, well, we could have had the Bills. We just didn't want them. It's like, shut up. <laughs> oh, no. That's nasty. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Oh, like, that's... The, yeah, just the most elitist city of all time. It's it's gross. I've decided I hate the Maple Leafs. <laughs> so you converted. Also, my brother's fiance is listening to this. Sorry, she's she's from there. Oh. <laughs> There's so many I of think, them. I think for her to understand, I just hate the rest of them. I think for her to understand, you need to say sorry. I believe. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, but <laughs> I still love you. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's. I think rage is always a good place to end a conversation. You have yeah. you have increased I'm my fired up. Who's next? Yeah. <laughs> you have increased my hatred for Toronto. If that Good. makes you we feel be, any we better, could be brothers in hatred. No. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, they're a team. If they imploded like Ottawa, I would be so thrilled. Uh, I would. My my eyes would glow in the burn. <laughs> yeah, see that one, you can see. Yeah, that is just <laughs> that a warm Buffalo CN Tower. <laughs> oh. oh, that now I want it. I, I, I really. Want, no, I've wanted it, Steve. <laughs> We've got a guy on Twitter. I'll I'll tell this random story and then we can depart. Just a guy we followed who's 
I guess from Toronto. I don't know where he's from. No one knows. But he's a Blue Jays, Blues, and some other equally random team fan. Seahawks. Seahawks, yeah. The, and it, the Blue Jackets and the Winnipeg Blue. Just anything blue. Yeah, I guess so. But in, every take is like the hottest inferno. And and I don't know why he's not a Maple Leafs fan, because he should be. Like, oh, it, yeah. it belongs there. But it's just like, you know, it'll be like... Uh, I don't know. Josh Donaldson is a dirtbag piece of crap or whatever. And it's just every tweet. So anyway, if he's listening, we love your stuff. (laughs) Anthony, uh, we've kept you already way too long. So thank you so much for all the time you've given us. Glad to do it. I had a great time. Send our our best regards and thanks to your wife. We owe her an hour of your time your time back so mm-hmm. we'll figure oh, guys, out I'll, I'll be i'll be paying for that for a while. <laughs> you know, that's debt you don't want to get in we'll we'll figure <laughs> oh, out boy. how to what what the conversion rate is or something we'll <laughs> i don't know but we'll figure it out uh you want to plug your stuff again to let people know where to find you and where to read you you're yeah, an sure. excellent um, writer on the hockey writers so yeah so uh yeah i'm a uh Savers contributor on the Hockey Writers. I'm a contributor on SB Nation's Die by the Blade page. Uh, that's the SB Nation Savers page, obviously. Um, I write for Bills Mafia if you're into football. And you can find me on Twitter at Chandra Sports. That's S-C-I-A-N-D-R-A Sports. And uh, thanks again for having me, guys. I had a great time. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. you yeah, so it's much. it's been great. Uh, one last thing, Anthony, before yeah, we let you go, because you mentioned it. Uh, St. Louis, you may have heard it's been in some it's been in some news stories. Lost the football team a few years ago. Uh, what would be your best pitch for St. Louis fans to become Buffalo Bills fans? Oh man, uh, hashtag we could have been you. Like and we, <laughs> we, probably, we probably should have been. Um, I actually, you know, I, I, I. I I hate the thought of a team moving because of how close both of ours were at mm-hmm. one point. Um, and, and I, I, I hated seeing St. Louis move. Um, I had a Rams jersey. I loved Kurt Warner. Uh, oh, as a kid. You just so, won over everybody right there. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I had a Rams jersey as a kid. I liked the Rams a lot as like, they were always my de facto, like second team as a kid. So um, that, yeah, that sucked. And, and it, it's, it's gotta just be the pits. And to be honest, the NFL needed or like had this bloodlust to bring a team to LA and it so should have been Buffalo. And so like, I always feel this like weird guilt about St. Louis. Like I feel like it's kind of my fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you so, didn't lose the team. Stan Kroenke, clearly this, the id to the super ego, uh, that is <laughs> your ownership for stepping in. Uh, I, I realized we had a bar not too far from here that for whatever reason was like the place because I went there a couple of times on Sundays. It was like where the Bills Mafia met in St. Louis. Sure, sure. And like I just went by it the other day and it's now closed. So <laughs> I don't know where the crazy Bills fans the only thing keeping yeah. them in business. I don't know where they're going to go now, but I'll find them and root hard for them. Uh, thank you again so Appreciate much for it, being on. Uh, we loved having you, and we will talk to you soon. I'm sure when we when the Blues and and Sabers meet in the Stanley Cup final, we'll do an extended mm. preview together. Oh, be that still my sounds heart. Awesome <laughs> this year. Uh, it would just continue the NHL's trend of having teams with fucking gold and blue in every <laughs> Stanley Cup. There you go. That's fine. It's perfect. I'll take we'll it. We'll take it. Uh, <laughs> thanks again, Anthony. We'll talk to you All soon. Right. Absolutely. I'll see you. <laughs> All right. 
All right, so uh, that was our discussion with Anthony. Ran almost two hours. It was a ton of fun. We learned mm-hmm. that he has harbored a secret hatred for John Chaka. Uh, we learned why we should hate the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we learned that the Ottawa Senators are so down in the dumps, pathetic that even the craziest of rivals can't muster no, up hatred for be them. sad. And how could you? Uh, man, I just, you know, I thought this before that discussion, but man, I'm excited for the Buffalo Sabres this year. Yeah. Um, I, I really like, I'm, I'm planning on probably getting Game Center this year. I haven't done it in the past, but one hockey team's not enough for this, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll probably be watching a lot of Sabres games because they'll be such a fun story with all the turnover and then with Darlene on top of it. Like, they could have had this offseason without Darlene and been a fun team. Mm. But him on top of it is going to be so much fun. So I'm really glad um, we could get Anthony on here to discuss that. I thought he was an awesome guest. And yeah. I'm sure he looks exactly like Matt Pacioretty. He really <laughs> He kind of does. So, I, Anthony, Max Pacioretty is a strikingly handsome yeah. gentleman, so good for you. Good Max, for you. Max, thanks for being on. <laughs> our first NHL player. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it, I, I love the interview. We don't need to just blow smoke up his butt. Oh, we'll I will. We'll continue to. Go ahead. No, I, I enjoy being able to talk with people from other fan bases because you get a different perspective. I think it's interesting to talk to other fan bases that are kind of smaller markets, too, mm-hmm. because I'm sure it's hard. We don't know exactly what a large market team is like. You and I have pretty much been in St. Louis exclusively as sports fans. So, mm-hmm. But you can, kind, you can kind of wrap your head around it. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of talk. You, could, you know, It's a lot to shuffle through. But I think smaller markets, because they become a little more unique... You're yeah. kind of like, is St. Louis like Buffalo? Is Buffalo like Columbus? It's you know, be sort of thing. Too, especially for Buffalo to be like nestled in the just uh, the metropolis, you know, on top of New York, yeah. obviously New York City, but then like Toronto's right next door, which is not enormous, but mm. it's the biggest city in Canada. Boston, you know. Well, that's why I wanted to mention to him was like we only really have Chicago to deal with, yeah. and it's so annoying. I can't imagine having every team essentially around you just be like oh we're so much better and bigger <laughs> it's gotta <laughs> be, be like disgusting. Oh, i'm so tired we hate it. chicago plenty and yeah imagine if kansas city was like a metropolis or whatever so thank you anthony for uh helping me feel a little bit better about this yeah. team but yeah buffalo sounds like a lot of fun i think he has a really good knowledge base it seems like of you know what it's like to be a fan what it's like to watch these players day in and day out and just a general look at you know who's going to play with who Who's looking good? Who um, you know projects to be what? It's I don't know. I like hearing that from other fans because we we like to think we know a lot about other teams and we know a fair amount about central teams and a few teams here and there. But teams like Buffalo, you know, it's it's another fanatic talking to another fanatic where you're like, you know, tell me about what you think this team is, and I think that's really fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, I mean. That was awesome. So thanks. Yeah. Uh, thanks again for coming on, Anthony. Uh, at Chandra 
S-C-I-A-N-D-R-A Sports on Twitter. He is currently at 487 followers. I am confident we can get him to 500. And if you go and follow him and let us know that you did it, we'll shout you out on the next podcast. We'll even answer a question on the next podcast if you have one. That's mm. that's the links we're willing to go <laughs> to. Uh, no, go follow him. He's, he's a lot of fun. We talk about in the interview, we talked about that tweet he sent. Uh, about the only way that Mark Bergevin's not the worst GM of all time is that Pierre Dorian exists, (laughs) which if I'd seen it during the season, I would have made the tweet of the week um, Mm. for sure, because that's brilliant. Uh, And so you want all that fun content. You don't don't just want it, you need it. So go follow him. Uh, Thank you again, Anthony. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks with um, the Metropolitan Division, and we'll see if... Uh, we choose to get a guest or not, Wayne uh, Wayne Simmons, that is. <laughs> I know you're on. listening. Uh, so if you'd like to jump on, please feel free to hit us up. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that you heard it here first. Two weeks from now, Wayne Simmons on the podcast. There you go. Uh, no, uh, we'll be back two weeks uh, with the Metropolitan Division. Until then, thank you all for listening, and see you later. Bye.